and 85% of the transactions are still done in, in the dollar. You pointed out in, in a recent speech that you think we've crossed the Rubicon. Are, are you comfortable saying what, what you said there, that, that, that for the first time in your career you think we lose reserve status at some point? I'm comfortable with it. That's my central case. As you know, Joe, I can change my mind. But yeah, um, you said that to some extent the Fed is enabling the fiscal transfers. It's not to some extent. They couldn't be doing this without the Fed. The Fed is monetizing their activity. I mentioned all the QE after vaccine confirmation and retail sales. We've had $850 billion of direct transfers, $575 billion of them came after retail sales were above trend, 575 of the 850 billion. I'm old enough to remember the, the bond market vigilantes. I used to be one of them. Without the Fed buying, I don't know what the exact number is. I think it's 60% of all the debt issued. The, the bond markets would be totally rejecting this. So they are enabling this massive expansion in fiscal policy. And the problem is, if you end up getting inflation, and frankly, even if you don't, the debt is going to be so big. You remember I did my entitlement talks eight or nine years ago. That's all happened except for one thing, the interest rate level. So we're right now in the crux of when the demographic, when the baby boomers accelerate in terms of, of getting Medicare, Medicaid, Social Security, that stuff. Right as we're doing that, we just put six trillion of new debt on. Again, all enabled by the Fed. These guys could not be doing it. Bond rates would go to a prohibitive level. So my, my issue here is in the future, um, as we go forward, if you look at, do you have chart five up there? Let's get it. I think we can do it. Uh, which one? Uh, it's federal spending, Social Security, and major health care programs, federal spending is a percent of GDP. This, this is, is the CBO. This is not me. Okay. And they're saying if 10 years go to 4.9%, which is their normalized projection, the interest expense alone will be close to 30% of GDP every year. That's basically what we just spent on the COVID emergency in the last year. There is no way we can afford to have 30% of all government outlays be, be toward interest expense. So what will happen is the Fed will have to monetize that. When they monetize it, um, I believe it'll have horrible implications for the dollar. And that's why I said in that speech, yes, that I think it's more likely than not, within 15 years, we lose reserve currency status. Happy Bitcoin Tuesday, freaks. It's your boy, Matt O'Dell, here for another Citadel Dispatch. It's been... Ooh, I heard a, another pop. Love to hear mm, that. There's a Vika pop. 
Let's fucking go. It's been 21 Bitcoin Tuesdays in a row with all y'all. How is that? That is that is insane to me. That is crazy. I fucking love it. 21 straight. This is Citadel Dispatch, episode 21, the interactive live show about Bitcoin distributed systems, privacy, and open source software. To all of the freaks coming in through our audio streams, that was legendary investor Stanley Drunkenmiller with our boy Joe Kernan on CNBC. Um, calling for the end of the reserve status for the U.S. dollar um, and not sounding like a crazy person on mainstream financial television. Uh, That's pretty fucking ridiculous to me, and I feel like that is not quite priced in, but uh, there's plenty of people on Bitcoin Twitter that would probably disagree with me on that one. Um, I want to do a quick shout-out to all the ride-or-die freaks who come in every week for this live chat. Um, you guys make the show what it is. Um, without you, it you know, I, it just it wouldn't happen. So I, I appreciate all y'all, and I want you to uh, be active as always in the live chat, um, so we can work off of you. And then, of course, I just want to do another quick shout out to all the freaks that have been supporting the show um, through the various methods, whether that's podcasting 2.0, streaming Sats, um, our Sphinx Tribe, Citadel Dispatch going to citadeldispatch.com or the handy little LN URL um, that we have in the bottom left-hand corner of the video streams. As always, this video stream is being going is going out to Twitch, Twitter, and YouTube. Um, now we also have it going out to bitcointv.com. Uh, if you use it over there, you can't participate in the chat, but you do get the benefit of going through sovereign servers rather than corporate servers. Um, with all that said... I want to do. I want to thank our two guests here today for joining us. We have Open Arms return guest. You guys all know him, uh, good friend, uh, who just you know lo- he. One of my favorite parts about Open Arms is after almost every episode, uh, he sends me a breakdown of uh, things that either I got wrong or the guests got wrong. So I appreciate that, Open Arms. <laughs> well, well, Hi everyone. <laughs> not every not every episode, right? <laughs> not every episode, but you're pretty you're pretty good about it, and I do appreciate it. You do make the show better. Yeah, um, and thank you very much. And and we have Anthony Ronning, um, who is a ride or die freak himself. I'm pretty sure he's been in this live chat almost all of the 21 episodes, uh, and he's an independent software engineer. And this week he released a great rundown of lightning privacy and the nuances of it and the shortcomings and the future. And we're going to be going all into that. How's it going, Anthony? Hey, everyone. Um, No, it's an honor uh, to be on. Thanks for having me. Long time listener, first time guest. Um, Yeah, I didn't even realize it was the 21st episode. That's crazy. Um, Yeah, no, I'm excited to dive into the topic. It's it's been a very interesting month uh, researching it myself. And it's one of me and Open Arms' favorite topics. I think it's one of the favorite topics of the show in general. Um, we started off the show with varied topics, but I think if you broke down the 21 episodes, uh, most of them are about lightning and privacy. Um, so I feel like this is kind of a culmination episode in a lot of ways. Um, so let's start off with this post. I mean, I don't know how we want to go about it. Um, the link, if to the freaks that are not aware... 
is on the bottom of the screen, abitesjourney.com slash lightning dash privacy. Um, it's a great post. If you haven't read it yet, consider going and reading it after the show. Um, so where do you, where do you guys want to start on this? Do you guys have, a, you know? Yeah, I, I think, um, maybe as, as part of an inspiration of, of why I wanted to write it. Um, I'm, I've been playing around with lightning for quite a while and kind of got serious um, with my own lightning note about, you know, six or seven months ago with uh, my raspy blitz. <laughs> um, love the thing. Shout out to open noms <laughs> and the team there. Um, and, you know, one of the things I, I, I never felt comfortable with was like sharing my node identity with people. Um, Cause it, you know, has my, all my UTXOs and, um, you know, invoice and stuff. So I think like a large part of the inspiration was just trying to figure out myself, like, okay, how would, if I were to restart and get, get a brand new node, how should I go about, you know, trying to achieve privacy on the lightning network and everyone's kind of default has been, yeah, yeah. Lightning is private. Um, and it's kind of funny, Edward Snowden, even uh, this weekend, you know, called it out and, and called lightning shenanigans, which I think that was maybe a misspoke. Um, for the most part, um, an overreaction maybe, but, um, yeah, I think, uh, you know, it's not just hand wavy private. And I think that's one of the main, you know, things I wanted to get out of the article is that there's, you know, there's always nuance, but there's tons of nuance here. Um, and you know, I'm, I'm happy to dive into it anyway, but, um, one of the main things is just, there's, there's a lot of ways to go about it. Um to try to achieve privacy, uh, you know, from setting up your node to funding it, opening channels, um, even closing channels and what you do with the outputs from there. And, um, even sending payments and, and the types of things that, you know, can be revealed as you send payments across the network. Um, yeah, now it's, it's a big topic. So I'm happy to, you know, start the I mean, conversation off anyway. For starters, I think you make a very good point there. I, I think when it comes to privacy in general, um, if you hear anyone ever hand waving things and telling you that you have absolute perfect privacy and not explaining any kind of trade offs or nuances, um, they're probably acting in bad faith or they don't know better. But either way, you shouldn't be um, you should be extra skeptical of anything that comes out in that direction. Um, so, I mean, yeah, let's so let's jump in here. I mean, one of my concerns about lightning um, or. I guess let's start with the positive. The positive is pure. The pure positive of lightning is that with Bitcoin, we have all of our transactions on a public ledger that we expect to last forever. And when I mean forever, I mean forever, ever, right? Like this thing is going to last for a long fucking time. Um, it's designed to be extremely robust and that record of all your transactions will always be there. So from a, a, a pure over like a, a big picture kind of point of view, um, lightning is a strict improvement over that because your transactions aren't stored on this thing. Um, for a lot of the things that we're going to talk about here for this post, um, it involves an active attacker, an attacker who is, you know, constantly surveilling the lightning network and recording that data for themselves forever, right? They're, they're, they're actually doing active surveillance. With, with the Bitcoin main chain, um, what, we, what we see happen a lot is an attacker can come in after the fact. They can come in four years later, five years later, and they can look at all that historical data and use it against you. Would you say that's a fair uh, like 
entry overview here? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that, that's a really good distinction too. Um, pretty much 90, 95% of the article is, um, you know, what an active attacker could do. So, yeah. Yeah, this is, this is like what can be done with active real-time surveillance versus what information is out in the open forever on the blockchain. So it is a huge difference. And I mean, the article does go into a lot of detail and, and, and it's, it's beautiful work, but also it shouldn't discourage people of using lightning, right? But the only thing is it doesn't replace the on-chain privacy. It can be built on top of that. But yeah, I mean, there's a lot of details. Let's go. So, um, I mean, I don't even know where to start. So I, I, uh, we could go, we could just scroll through the article, but I feel like that's a boring way of doing it. Um, why don't we, why don't we start from the basis of this, this show, this show, this, this, whatever this thing is, this show has, um, a mainstay of it has been actionable Bitcoin discussion, like things that Bitcoiners today can use. Not, you know, we'll definitely go into the part of the post where you talk about the things that are happening in the future um, that we can look forward to and that and that would be massive improvements here for privacy. But what can Bitcoiners do today? I feel like a good way to start is, okay, um, I'm Anthony or I'm Open Arms or, and, and I want to use Lightning in a private way in the in the in, a, in the most private way, um, or a more private way, or good enough private way, how do I go about that? What what should I be doing? What should my process be? Yeah, absolutely. I th I think um, and for maybe the the listeners um, at home, you know, if you want to open the article and just scroll to the very bottom, I kind of lay out the bullet points of like, okay, if you skip the whole entire like twenty minute, twenty five minute read. Um, go to the very bottom. There's, you know, a bunch of different bullet points. Um, I, I like separating out from like senders versus receivers um, because senders, you know, have uh, tremendous privacy uh, gains over receivers on the Lightning Network. Right. Um, with, with receivers, you have to create the invoice. You have to basically let the sender know how to pay you, right? Um, and, and by doing that, you send the invoice. You If you have private channels, you reveal your private channels to them. Um, and you know, one of the unfortunate things about uh, the Lightning Network that I learned is that the channel IDs that make up channels, whether if it's public or private, um, is actually derived from the UTXO information. So um, it's, it's you know, the first number is the block number. The second number is the transaction height, where the transaction sits in the block. And then the last number is the actual output the UTXO of that transaction. So every single channel has a UTXO that you lock up. Um, so whether if it's a private channel or a public channel, if, if, you're, if you're trying to hide your private channel UTXOs and then you create an invoice and give that to you know anyone or a sender or whatever, you're trusting them basically with the knowledge that you own or you could own that UTXO. Um, the Lightning Network is interesting because you, you can't actually tell just by looking at a channel you know, which peer in that channel owned it. If I have a channel with you, Matt, um, and, you know, me and you, we know who funded it. You know, maybe it was me that initiated the channel. Maybe it was you. Um, but to outsiders, they have no idea which one actually opened the channel, except if they actually start going through chain analysis and start an analyzing, you know, change output addresses and, and things like that to try to 
um, try to reveal that. So like if I open a private channel with you and then I we closed out that channel and I used the change, or even if we didn't close out the channel, I used the change to open up a new public channel, then you know, um, that's kind of you know revealing information. Um, but anyways, I, I think uh, to, to right get back from to process the of elimination, right? Because there's there's only one party there that was a part of both channels. Yeah, exactly. And we're we're just now starting to get um, dual funded channels, so that changes the dynamic a little bit. You, you're you're never outsiders are never really sure. Um, maybe both people funded the channel. Um, you know, you could have multiple inputs into a channel, and and you don't even know unless you know. Of course, again, you do chain analysis or. With dual funded channels, an active attacker could try to initiate a you know dual funded channel request with you and then back out midway and they could learn your UTXO through that process. So if you yeah. opened a new channel, yeah, exactly. You, you're basically snooping um, and trying to reveal get them to reveal their UTXO. But yeah, he, but yeah. He, <clears throat> Oh, go ahead, open up. Yes, I just uh, like to comment on this that um, it's already um, like people getting focused of uh, just uh, funding a channel with or like a node with one UTXO. And it is absolutely correct, as you said, that if you use Lightning for privacy and you use it, you just ha have one private channel. And for that, it makes sense to use only one UTXO. But if you are using a public one, um, a public channel, and you are planning to open other public channels, that it doesn't really matter if you do reuse the change because it's public and tied to the node ID anyway. So it's, it's kind of a thing which you need to decide how would you, how would you want to go about this. Uh, do you only want to have like a pay, paying node, which you will only use to pay invoices and you know close the channel one and once emptied and just you know use one utxo to fund that and throw it away afterwards i mean throw throw away the uh, node id afterwards and don't use it or or you would just start out building a, a lightning node and have one public channel and then have another one and, and etc so uh, so so there's there's something interesting here sort of breakdown so we're like diving into the weeds really quickly yeah, um, right. the, uh, yes, the, there's a good point about the difference between sender and receiver. So with receiver, what people don't realize is how much information is in that, in that invoice that you post. And a perfect example was when the lightning torch was going around. Um, it was a very exciting time. Um, I got called out because I used a blue wallet, a custodial wallet which is supposed to be against my ethos um, to receive my lightning torch. Um, and then I sent it out through my sovereign node uh, because I thought it was an important task to send it out through a sovereign node, especially since I sent it to Jack Dorsey, who also received on his sovereign node. And people called me out and they said, Matt, we, you know, we caught you doing this, yada, yada, yada. And the reason I did it was because I didn't want to dox my, my pub key out to the whole world. And at that point, we didn't even have you know, Tor as the default or whatnot. Um, so people were doxing their IP addresses and they were just posting these invoices on Twitter. And, you know, Twitter is not going to last as long as the Bitcoin ledger, but people should assume that anything they post on these public forums is hoovered up and stored by, you know, corporate surveillance companies and state surveillance companies and ad companies and all this different shit. Um, so they should kind of operate under that same assumption. Um, so, so 
a, a, a key thing that I'd like to teach people is if you want to learn what's in your invoice, go to lightningdecoder.com. If you go to lightningdecoder.com and obviously, you know, you're kind of doxing your invoice to them if you put it in, but it could be an invoice that someone's paying you. It'll show you everything that is in that invoice. It'll break it down for you. Um, and, you know, a, a big thing there is the, if, if you have private channels, it'll show private channel routing hints in there um, because that's the only way a payer knows about the private channels. But more importantly, it shows your public key. And if and you have that public key, you can go on these lightning explorers like 1ml.com or Abasso, um, and it'll it'll show their public capacity, all their public channels, um, and it'll show their IP address if they're not running through Tor. And if, if you have that IP address, you're able to um, determine a, an imprecise location, um, like down to the town level, but a more sophisticated attacker might be able to figure out exactly who you are because most people's IP addresses are KYC'd. Um, so with all that said, the actionable information there is the, the, the number one thing you should do is run your node through Tor. And fortunately, all these major node packages now basically just default to it. Um, so if you're running like a Raspi Blitz, um, or a Noddle or a Ronin Dojo, or that's not, has, doesn't have lightning or Umbral, <laughs> um, or my node, it all runs through Tor automatically. Um, which I think is a big deal to say. Um, what else? Yeah. yeah, I often use the analogy, or I used it before, that to have a clear net lightning node public, with public channels, like a routing node running in your home, with your home public IP, it's like uh, glowing your money out in the window. And you can be surprised if people are, you know, breaking it. But then the yeah. problem there lies in the fact that we're kind of, I, I think we're going to see, like we're seeing a bit of a bifurcation of the network because you have these large public companies um, that are running these large routing nodes through ClearNet because they're completely fine, you know, with running it on a VPS and, and you know, you know dot, they, they're, they're completely KYC regulated companies anyway. Um, and they obviously have better uptime and connections than if you're running like a sovereign node through Tor. We saw when the Tor DDoS attacks were happening um, that like Tor nodes were going down left and right, right? So there's a- So actually on yeah, that on. topic, it was interesting. My my Tor only Lightning node was still um, routing payments through, um, through that downtime, the Tor downtime. I think yeah, it only too. really affected uh, a new connection. So like if I had restarted my node- Exactly. Um, I would have had an issue there. But um, so starting a new connection, starting a new channel, that wasn't possible during the tour downtimes. But um, well, since I already had my, you know, raspy blitz just always running, it actually stayed up during that downtime. I was kind of surprised. I mean, we also have to rely on exit nodes, though, to connect to the clear, the greater ClearNet network. So, yeah. So there's yeah, like there's there was two attacks that were happening at the same time, right? There's the exit nodes attack, and then there's there's actually a DDoS within the Onion network. Yeah, and another thing with um, Tor nodes is is IP nodes can't unless they're running both IP and Tor, which which you can do. Um, IP nodes can't start a connection with you. Um, you have to be the initiator. So even if you wanted uh one thing you could do like if you have a friend that's running their ip node first of all slap your friend and tell them to get a tour only node um but second of all if they wanted to open channel with you you can at least start a connection with them a peer-to-peer -peer connection with them and then they can open the channel with you 
um, if if you're tour only. But um, yeah, another that's option. That, that's a feature, yeah, not a bug, exactly. Anthony. Because like when we <laughs> when I switch the stacking sats node, um, our our public TFTC node uh, to tour only, it like it just forced all the freaks. They weren't able to. I wouldn't let them connect unless they set up tour on their node. Nice. Yeah, the, yeah the, there is a like a hack there if you are, if you can run tor even if you're not putting your lnd behind it even if you have like a, a, a tor browser open you can use that proxy to connect to the tor network so you could actually connect if you you know put a couple of minutes in it <laughs> but uh, there is no point of that it should go behind tor anyway and should be advertised your, your tour address so the, the peers who are behind tour can connect directly without leaving the tour network let me ask you matt um when you switched over your your ip um did you like start a new node or did you just kind of just switch the ips well so so i i did not start a new node because so this is the balancing act right so you have a routing node uh well first i made a joke that the route node was stolen um, which I, but hilariously, like you'd, you'd think it was really obvious, but all the like B cashers and all the haters, like all like just believed it point blank and just like used it as fun, uh, when I tweeted out that the node was stolen, but I said the node was stolen and the, the thief put it behind Tor. Um, so I still had the IP at address attached to it. And still to this day, if you look up the public key, you can see that old IP address, um, then I had to trick my ISP into giving me a new IP address. So I had a non-doxed IP address afterwards. Um, and then I moved. Yeah. Um, but I, I, kept, I, kept the, I kept the same, same node because we had all of our channels open already. So when, like you're, when, when you're talking about um, the potential of us going into a high fee environment, um, you know, you're talking about a situation where where you don't want to hit the chain that often, right? So, you know, it's really important that that node, I still have that node up, but it's really important that we have the freaks, that we have sovereign Bitcoiners setting up sovereign routing nodes, small sovereign routing nodes that they're running in hardware at, at their own, you know, that they control, whether that's a home or office or something like that um, for the long term, because you don't, want to, you don't want to have to hit the chain in the future. Um, and of course we want to build our reputation, you know, in the, the boss scores or whatever. Um, and we'll get into that, but so, so when you're doing that, you have to be thinking to, you have to be thinking to the future, a mistake you make, uh, today and you, you end up revealing some, if you send one, so, so, so let's jump into it. So, so one of the, the, the main conclusions of the piece that I think is really important is that the, most of the freaks understand why um the, the why you don't want to combine utxos when you combine utxos you're linking them on chain common ownership um when when you fund when you fund a node especially a long-term routing node that's going to have many channels and that's going to have many utxos funding it you should assume that all those utxos are linked together you should assume that they're consolidated together they're not actually consolidated together as much as a regular consolidation transaction is, but you should just assume that's the case as far as an attacker goes. So if you fund your Lightning node with one non-coin join UTXO that's KYC'd or something, um, you basically have linked that node to your KYC information. Whoever has that KYC information could presumably link that node to you. Um, so one of the most important things um, 
takeaways, I think, is if you're running one of these long-term sovereign nodes, is that every UTXO that you do fund it with should be a post-mix UTXO. They should be a CoinJoin UTXO. And I like to say that Lightning is a post-mix tool. Um, there's some people on Twitter who think that Lightning replaces CoinJoin. I think CoinJoin is, you know, it's complementary to Lightning. Yeah, and and one of the things that I've I've struggled with um, is exactly that point. Um, saying you know it's it's a good like post mix tool um, that all your sh channels should be funded with mixed um, UTXOs. I kind of struggle with that because I you know like you said um, consolidating post mix UTXOs. I mean, there's a certain point where that's not. That's not a good thing to do, right? Uh, like if you maybe if we're talking about a couple, you have enough of an anon set to get away with it. Um, but if you had a bunch of channels uh, funded with a bunch of different postmix UTXOs, I mean that surely that degrades your anon set like a, a lot, right? You're con you, even if you're just opening private channels. One of the things in the article that I found out um, in the last few weeks was that. Private channels are actually probable. Probable. Um, someone could probe your. Um, they could send a bunch of spam payments through your node and attempt to find private channels. Um, they just guess what a possible UTXO could have been that funded a private channel, and they send that through your node. And if it like goes on to the next node, and that next node passes back an error because you know maybe it was a, uh, you know it was the wrong public key or something. Um, you've essentially that attacker has essentially figured out um, a private channel of yours and the UTXO going behind that private channel. So I, so I guess like what I'm trying to make is, you know, I think there's a certain point, right. Where if you're consolidating too many post UTXOs, it's not, that's not a good thing. Right. Well, well, I mean, the takeaway is, is <laughs> look, if, if, if the goal is to spend privately on lightning, you really should just have one or two coin join UTXOs and then you open one or two large channels to one or two routing nodes. And then you spend for a little bit and then you get rid of it and you start fresh again um, with a new node. Um, that is different though than if you're trying to run a long-term routing node. And if you're trying to run a long-term routing node, um, you know, the, I, I, I never, I, it, it's, it's very easy to make mistakes with CoinJoin. Um, there's, you know, it's there. There, I am not saying it's perfect privacy, and it's you know, uh, perfect privacy is something that uh, mostly scammers will say. Um, but it is, it is strictly an improvement over funding your node with anything else. Um, the if you if you have if you have post mix that's consolidating, you're hurting your own Anon set and you're hurting the Anon set of the other participants in your coin join rounds. Um, but that can be alleviated if we have more coin join usage and if we have implementations that attempt to mitigate post-mix consolidation. Because we can't have implementations that assume that every actor and participant in a mix is going to be great after the mix, right? That's a that's a bad assumption. The assumption should be the opposite, um, and those implementations need to take that into account and improve in that regard. 
I would like to add here is that it probably helps if it's not from the same kind of coin join round. So not not so you have some funds, you you throw it through Verpool, you use the join market tumbler, you, you know, even if you use Wasabi and you fund the node. I mean, first of all, it's best to decide what do you want to do with it. So one or two channels, if it's just a spending node, or say you want to build a routing node, well, okay, I might need like half a Bitcoin for that, right? In in the long term, okay? Uh, so you might just want to send, you know, a, a 50 million sets, Postmix, uh, UTXO on there. And, and I'm not saying to open a, a channel for half a Bitcoin straight, but you can keep using that because it's anyway, it will be tied together with that pop key. Basically right. all the channels are UTXOs and they are, advertised to belong to that same pop key so it doesn't matter once you have put it in it you can reuse it as many times as you like and also when you have sent so you have opened the channel opened a couple of channels and then you you can swap them from lightning back to on chain and then from those swapped uh utxos which are now detached from the history again because they belonging to you know, the loop server of Lightning Labs, to the Bots Exchange, to Bitfinex, whichever. Uh, obviously, no KYC account on Bitfinex. Uh, then you can use them to to open further channels with. So, yeah. I have to, I have to yeah. disagree just a little bit um, on one, okay. one point. I think most of what you said was, was great. Um, one aspect of it uh, where you have, you know, maybe you have one, you know, half a Bitcoin UTXO and, and you say, okay, we'll use that in your public channel because you want to be a routing node. You open a channel with that and you use the change to open other channels. And I would have to say that wouldn't wouldn't be the best privacy because um, like I said earlier, you nobody from the outside really knows which um, node owned that UTXO. Um, if I'm opening up a channel with Matt, um, it could have been either of us that, that opened up that channel with that UTXO. Um, the thing that gets you is if I open a, a channel with Matt, um, I have a point like half a Bitcoin UTXO, open up a channel with him for with point one, um, 10 million sats. Uh, you should be using sats here, not Bitcoin. Thank you. Um, uh, 10 million sats. And, and then I turn around with the 40 million, uh, sats and, and the change that I get back. And I open up channel with you open noms at that point, it's pretty clear that I owned both of those UTXOs, the original 50 million sats, um, because the change address goes back to my node. So I would say like, if, if it, it would suck, but, um, if you're, if you're any change address after you open a channel, I, I would say it, it would be best if you were to throw it back in a mixer. Um, that's expensive uh, you, though. No, it's I, expensive. I yeah, I absolutely agree. I mean, I, I just, uh, yeah, I, I, I can't imagine someone, even myself, you know, following the practice perfectly. So, you know, I would just presume that whatever I find my node with, it will be tied to not me, but to the node, right? And and you're absolutely right. If you if you follow this perfect practice, that you only you don't create change or or you. Uh, deal with the change accordingly, like like toxic change, and you mix that as well every time. So don't use it to open another channel. And also when you close the <laughs> channel, then that will be not used for anything either. You know, that's a challenge. 
especially if there are no you know new features coming like dual funded channels which are will be automatically manage your utxos also the anchor commitments on on lnd which do need the utxo to to kind of uh, bump the fee of of channel closures uh, and they would need some utxos reserved there or some funds reserved there it's it's yeah it's it's close to impossible in, in like in a you know, with like imagine like 30, 40, 50, 100 channels, it's it's close to impossible to to manage it perfectly. But no, but, but that's the thing. That's We're talking about two different things. We're talking about two different things, right? Because we have to separate yes. it. If you're trying to be a spender, yeah, right, then you only should have like two or three channels max. If no, you're absolutely. trying to spend privately, right? You 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 pick a couple large routing nodes, ideally ones that are tour only, um, and you just you spend through those channels, and then you. You, you yes. create a new node. So in that in that kind of you know educational kind of uh, notes repo, the like node management repo of mine, I've already like put the three kind of major use cases of being of, of why to help people decide why they are starting a node. So is it will be just a spending node, basically a privacy tool, and to be able to use Bitcoin more cheaply and faster, faster, or you, you, they would want to do to make a routing node and, and exactly those are very different use cases and if you have only two channels and one or two utxos funding you can uh, follow this perfect practice which has been uh, described to to always keep your on chain off the on chain balance basically just off in a mixer <laughs> yeah but I, I do think your other point that you made though was 100 correct like once you do have that channel open and you do want on-chain funds or to, whether to send to a specific address on chain, whether or or to open up more channels from that, um, yeah, absolutely use something like Loop Out, Lightning Labs Loop Out, um, to spend from your channel um, and to get basically someone else's UTXO. I I I would kind of lean on if you can because you can um, try to actually get other people's UTXOs and not and not try to use. Your, your your own mixed UTXOs if you can like I under you know uh, while there's tools out there to acquire other people's UTXOs that are not linked to your identity I kind of prefer that to using your your own mixed um, uh, UTXOs if you're going to be like a public routing node and and have all that associated what you said about senders you know open one or two private channels absolutely you know go ahead and do that with a few mixed UTXOs. Um, but but yeah, um, try to take advantage of the fact that people are basically giving away UTXOs for Lightning Sats, um, which you know do a pretty good job. Uh, Lightning does a pretty good job of, of hiding the sender for the most part. Um, so take advantage of of the people selling UTXOs for for Sats on on the Lightning network. Yeah, very good. Um, I mean, but how would you go about that? So let's say so I fund my. I fund my node. I'm trying to create a long-term routing node. Um, I fund it yeah. with, you know, a 50 million sat transaction because I'm a Pauler. <laughs> like, okay, so I do the 50 million sat transaction, which is a yeah. is. I use that now, because that's the biggest uh, pool. I know, pool, right? I know, but like that that okay. So I fund it with twenty seven thousand dollars. Um, and then you like make a couple large channel. Oh, I'm, I'm only supposed to make one large channel with that, I guess. Ideally. And then if I want to add more channels, what do I do next? From there, um, 
you could use uh, Lightning Labs Loopout service, which basically at this point comes integrated into an application called Terminal that they make, which comes integrated with um, Raspi Blitz and Umbral and, and probably some others as well. So you can use Lightning Labs Loopout. Um, what you end up doing is you end up paying, what happens behind the scenes is, is you end up paying one of Lightning Labs invoices. Um, they, they charge a fee, of course, but you pay an invoice of theirs and then you receive um, a UTXO to your Lightning Nodes address. Or you can send it to a different address if you want. But for the purpose of what Matt's trying to describe here, where you get back, you want more UTXOs to create more channels, use something like Lightning Labs Loop Out. Spend some of your channel, uh, you know, with your big 50 uh, million uh, channel, um, you know, loop, loop <laughs> yeah, out of that yeah. and but, get but some on-chain funds to open more there, channels with. There's capacity limits on loop out, correct? So it's funny. Um, I, you know, I had actually just on, sat, on, on Sunday, I had done a loop out, probably the largest loop out I've ever done. I didn't expect it to actually go through. Um, 15 million sats of loop out, oh, wow. and it just it and and I got that for a few sats per uh, virtual byte. Um, because and then you use that UTXO to open a new channel. Exactly. Um, and go. then at that point, um, I so it's kind of funny. Um, like I said, the 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 the, the node I started getting serious with about six months ago. It's it's it, I'm not following any of the things that's what that I'm I saying said to do in the article. Um, I'm learning though. I'm learning what I'm supposed to do, and now since going through this article, I know what to do on like a new node. But it's it's one of those things where like I I don't feel comfortable like the way I've been behaving with my Lightning node over the last six months to to really share that out with people just because it has a bunch of consolidated mixed UTXOs on there. Which um, <laughs> full disclaimer, I use. Uh, Wasabi and then and to be honest, I don't even know how comfortable I am with that anymore. So, so <laughs> I know. So it's important for people to realize that um, that like the a non-set degradation from CoinJoin uh, and 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 so 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 on-chain privacy is directly linked to Lightning because you're funding with these UTXOs and the non-set of CoinJoin, especially in Wasabi because I, I just the implementation just isn't built in a way that the Anon set is is so the Anon set degrades very quickly if people do things with their UTXOs afterwards that are bad for privacy. Um, and the big thing, you know, the number one biggest thing is then they interact with KYC services afterwards. Um, so the overwhelming majority of the Anon set is probably degraded through a combination of combining UTXOs, people combining after the fact. Um, they're clicking the select all button, um, or they're actually going and they're, they're sending it to a KYC service or they're, um, buying something through a third party processor, uh, someone like an open node or a bit refill, um, or even worse, a bit pay or a Coinbase merchant service. Um, if you, when you do that, obviously you're linking that UTXO to yourself. And as a result, you're degrading the non-set of everyone else. Um, and it degrades over time and that ledger's forever. So if you have a UTXO sitting in there, um, sitting in your lightning node, your non-set is degrading after the fact because of every other participant and what they're doing. Um, and I know that's yep. like a really head full of people to, to, to deal with. Um, it's not ideal 
But uh, it, I think it's important that people shouldn't be discouraged necessarily from using these tools. I think some tools are better than others. I think I've been pretty clear on the show about it. Um, but uh, they should. It's 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 strictly better than not using those tools. Um, yes. If you just take like a Cash App UTXO and you fund your fucking Lightning node with it, um, you're in an insanely worse position than if you know, your nonsense degrading because a bunch of different databases scattered around the world all have different information on your participants um, in that round, right? This is like a, this is a nuance that is hard to grasp, but it's important. I I think it's important that people don't get discouraged um, in that regard. Yeah, exactly. And and that's why um, when, because the Lightning Network, especially if you want to be, you know, reputational based node and you want to route and you want to, keep channels open for as long as you can, it kind of goes against the fact that on, you know, some implementations, maybe it's all of them, I, you know, this is where we kind of get fuzzy, but over time, your analyst set is just going to degrade. And over time, if you keep that channel open and you just keep it open forever, your anon set is just degrading, right? Um, so trying to trying to achieve that the best anon set you can, which, you know, maybe, you know, some people have preferences on different implementations, won't get into that. Um, but yeah, I, I think, that, and that's why I say to try to, if you can, try to use non-mixed UTXOs because of this. Um, just yeah, why? You, right, swapped, you mean? Yeah. Oh yeah, after you use a mixed UTXO. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Mixed UTXO, yeah. Sorry. Yes, try to use other people's UTXOs, um, <laughs> but <laughs> not not yeah. don't use uh, your original. Uh, okay. you're exactly right. If you get a UTXO from from Coinbase or whatever, definitely mix that. If, <laughs> but it's way better. Um, but try okay, to so, use other people's UTXOs. So I think we're once again we're getting into the weeds really hard. We're losing people a little bit. I think so. On sender side, we we agree. They're using a Tor only node. You're funding it with as few. Transact UTXOs as possible, all post-mix UTXOs, um, and you're cycling through the node. On the receiving side, um, I mean, I think best practice is to use like Moon Wallet on your phone with a VPN that cycles public keys, you know, and doesn't, doesn't, doesn't tie them all to the same pub key, and then you can pay out to your sovereign node, and then you're just kind of custodial privacy trusting Moon Wallet. Would you, would you agree on that premise, like as just a simple, actionable... Thing people can do, yeah, absolutely. Moonwalk, um, MUUN, um, oh, yeah, it's probably one of the best for receiving just because of the fact that they do rotate. Um, I, I'm not sure if they rotate both public key and channel ID or or just one or the other, it's at least pub key, I believe. Um, but they do a good job of rotating and having these sort of fake or virtual channel IDs or, 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 or private nodes behind them. So yes, I 100% agree. It's unfortunate that that's the only implementation I know of where it, it, it goes through this healthy practice of rot- uh, rotating and, and shielding the, the actual, the real destination. Um, but I believe that will change with time. I believe there'll be more implementations, uh, C yeah. lightning plugins or, yeah. or L&D interceptors that, that try to, um, you know, rotate these public keys and channel IDs. Well, the other one I know is actually a good example of, and in the sitting on the screen on the lower left corner, the LN URL QR for uh, by LN, the LNTX bot, which does the exact same thing, but um, it doesn't rotate on every invoice. It only rotates for every user. So basically, it's a custodial node, but you have 
your own pop key, uh, which is a virtual pop key with a virtual private channel connected to the NTX bot node. Node. Right, and you have like a custodial privacy relationship as well on both, regardless. Um, oh, yes. Where you're like <clears throat> trusting the operator to protect your privacy. The the I'm looking forward to do to be able to do this. I mean, you know, not from the command line on on, on my own node, uh, but mind you, even in that case, the last hop will be always my node, right? So right. that that gives it away. Uh, and then, because you have a private channel, which obviously can be anywhere, but then the last hop will be always the node which is creating that virtual pub key. The, the other thing that's just nice about mobile wallets in general is um, if you use, even if you use, a, if you use a custodial wallet, you use like a wallet of Satoshi or a blue wallet, or or you don't use a custodial wallet, you use like a Breeze or a Phoenix. Um, you can and you can use them to receive a couple transactions. Um, then you empty it out to your own node and then you wipe the app and you start fresh again. And, yeah, you know, I, I guess you use a VPN so that the service doesn't have your IP address. Uh, I don't think any of them, I, I, Phoenix has Tor built in now, I think. Yes. Um, yeah. The, the cool thing about the process you described is, um, say for instance, you're going from now that exchanges are implementing lightning. Um, if, if you're going from an exchange into your custodial wallet of Satoshi, um, wallet of Satoshi doesn't know where those funds came from. Now your, your exchange knows it's going to wallet of Satoshi. Wallet right. of Satoshi doesn't know where it came from. And now you go from wallet of Satoshi to your real node or, 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 you know, your moon wallet or whatever. Um, that at least does a good, pretty good job of wiping that history of okay, you're no longer associated with that exchange that you were drawing from. And but now the problem here is that you just have so much complexity that you're just adding into your processes that like most people are just going to fuck something up along the way, right? And which is why like our goal should not be this, even though this is like our practical advice today, right? Yes, it's a code of tech. Yeah, it is a hack. It's um, but but at least the exchange doesn't know what your real node is, and they don't know any of the UTXOs funding your channels, or any of the you know if you're an IP node, they don't know your IP address, or any of those things. So I think it it sucks, but I mean that's what I do. Um, I will always send a wallet Satoshi and then send a real node. Um, I I don't think those steps are too complicated to think about, but you do have custodial risk not only on exchange. From, um, yeah, if you're going from an exchange, but also you're trusting Wallet Satoshi to not run away, which has done a good job of not running away. But more importantly, yeah. I think yeah. the custodial nodes are all going to get the custodial wallets are all going to get whacked by the the regulators. Yeah, exactly. Um, this is why we don't have custodial wallets in the first place. Yeah. So yes, the, the other thing I was like, we were even speaking about on, on Citadel Dispatch, I think to to try to, well, this will be like an advanced use case, but if you are running like a lasting node and you're trying to do this, do it professionally, you might, you probably want to manage the on-chain funds in a separate wallet, not in the wallet of the Lightning implementation, let it be LND or C Lightning or, or whichever you are using. Uh, and I mean, I found uh, like join market you know, be as complicated to use as it is, uh, although we try to make it easier. Um, but it is a very good fit to kind of fund 
lightning channels because you have a set of different UTXOs, not only you know one, five, and fifty million, but you have you have all, all kinds of UTXOs if you are if you are running as a maker. And then you can when you close a channel, especially if you do it from the command line, there might be like RTLs under hub, you know, these uh, graphical interfaces implementing that as well. That when you are closing a channel, you can give an external address where the um, funds are going to directly without you needing to wait for it to be confirmed in the on-chain wallet and then sending in another step. So you could just, uh, you know, close it into uh, your join market, but even, even your samurai wallet uh, address, and then, you know, go through the mix again. Right, and then when you are funding again, you 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 can come from outside. There are easier um, the tools get are getting easier to be used. I mean, all um, implementations now now support PSBT. I think Zeus even Kaludis, you know, is working on um, building external funding with PSBTs into the Zeus wallet. So you know, I look forward to that one, and uh, hopefully it will be coming to some you know, more graphical interfaces as well. Notorious guest of the, of the podcast. Absolutely. Uh, Evan Kaludis. No lightning uh, uh, discussion should go without, uh, you know, giving well, a shout out to him. You either have, with well, all the lightning discussions on this, on the show, I've either had open arms in it or, or Kaludis. Um, both. <laughs> the, yeah, th th those are, those are, those are all very good points. Um, I, 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 it's important for people to realize that this stuff is all very early. Um, and really, ultimately, if you really care about privacy and you want to be the most private user, like you just should not be running a routing node yet. But unfortunately, yeah. you know, I think it's a balancing act. And I mean, if you're a real private user, you shouldn't be, you know, having twice weekly live shows, but I'm doing that as well. And I, I it's important, I think, that we have... Um, sovereign bitcoiners out there that are that are you know basically on the front lines because because we we need it and we need it if 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 if, if when fees rise you know we're going to need these sovereign nodes we can't have all the nodes be um completely doxed corporations that are that are regulated yeah we need to need to build the roads yeah, exactly. Someone has to build the roads. And luckily, the good thing is that we can always, every node can, you know, spin up a new, it, you know, if there's a popular path that's, you know, being really shitty, if there's a popular hub that's being really shitty, we can always go around them. We don't have to route through them anymore. We can close off our channels with them, et cetera. So it's almost, it's it's a distributed, it's not like completely decentralized in the way that like it, it, there, there are kind of hubs, but at any point in time, it's more distributed at any point in time, anyone can build their own roads and have their own little payment network um, and things like that. So and we, we, we're not relying on them so much. It's on a positive note, um, I think we should talk about this Rings of Fire initiative. Are you guys familiar with this? Is that the Telegram group? Uh, the Telegram, it's bigger than a group. I think it's a lifestyle. <laughs> okay. I've heard of it. I, I'm a part of a Telegram group where people do open channels to you each other. Do want to other. talk about this? Uh, well, I mean, you started. Please go on. <laughs> so the Ring of Fire is um, this idea that we have this Telegram group of sovereign Bitcoiners and a couple spooks, most likely, 
um, <laughs> who are we're collaborating um, via Telegram and we're creating these rings. Um, so like it's it's um, let's say you want to do a five million sat ring. Everyone in the ring, you have ten people. They each open a five million sat channel. Uh, to the next person in the ring. So it's it creates a liquidity ring between the 10 people. And then uh, you do a circular rebalance. So all of a sudden, everyone has, if it's 5 million ring, 5 million sat ring, all of a sudden, everyone has 2.5 million sats inbound from both their partners and 2.5 two, two million sats outbound from both their partners. Um, and, and you basically create this very robust uh, liquidity network. And by having channel having rings of all different sizes, and having participants being in multiple rings, then you have links between the rings themselves and you create um, basically the opposite of the FUD narrative of lightning, the hub and spoke, right? You're like creating a, a more dynamic kind of uh, web of sovereign lightning nodes. Yeah, that's, that's, that's very really good. Cool. Very good, very good thing to do. It's always uh, uh, as a recommendation. I mean, probably especially in the beginning you know it was a practice that people were kind of advertising that you can uh, if you open an if, op, to open a channel to me and i open back one to you right and actually it is much more beneficial if i open a channel to you then you open a channel to someone else so the funds can flow and they are not just in a loop and exactly what happens in this ring of fire on the edit kind of you know fantastic thing that they can just do build a build a route with these um bash scripts basically uh, there are a couple of tools available where you just need to basically put the private keys after each uh, the oh <laughs> the pop keys uh after each other and it does construct a route which you can put into the um lightning command line and then it will do this circular circular uh rebalancing so uh, it's just uh, pays forward back to the originator node through this ring. And that's how it is getting the, uh, balanced. Obviously, everyone needs to cooperate, needs to be online. And then it also suggested or there is like a kind of an ethical limit to have your fees reduced to a level. So you're not uh, taxing too much the one who is. Yeah, well, I don't the... believe in the fees part. Uh, that's just bullshit. That's never going to last. Uh, that 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 <laughs> well, that's for, not the adversarial environment that I'm that I've that it's I a timed, Bitcoin. Yeah, it's it's a it needs coordination, right? So I mean, yeah, people should be online. So that's kind of a, a you know you you shouldn't open public channels if you are not not planning to be online. But uh, yeah, in terms of fees, yes, I mean you know you shouldn't come in and kind of trying to um, you know tax. All, all people are trying to kind of balance the channels through you when the agreement was that you're coming in for this. But otherwise, yeah, but I mean, but I mean, Lightning has it built in, right? Like if, if, if you raise your fees obnoxiously, um, I mean, if, if it's publicly connected to you, they'll shame you on Twitter. But if, if it's not publicly <laughs> connected to you, it's built into Lightning, people just won't route through you, right? They'll go other places. And the, the, the whole cool part of Rings of Fire to me is that it means that any given channel that you have, you're not, you know, completely attached to. And this was an issue I had uh, with the stacking sats node was because I saw I had good intentions um, and very much like Anthony, like I like to learn just and like open arms and like a lot of the freaks, to be quite honest. Um, I like to learn by doing. 
Um, and I did that reciprocal approach. If you open to me, I'll open to you. And what that did was, first of all, if you have multiple channels open with a par uh, partner, um, it hurts the routing. It, it creates routing errors very easily. So it's better to just have one channel that's balanced. Um, and then second of all, it made us a sing it made my node a single point of failure. Um, and also my node was this little Nautil OG and it, um, you know, this little rock 64 and it just kept dying. Like it, it was just, it was cutting out all the time because it was running through Tor only and it had way too many channels. Um, <laughs> and then just, we just, I just ended up in a situation where I had to clean it all up. Um, and it caused a huge fee burden for everyone involved, but especially me. And I lost a bunch of money on it. Um, but the cool thing about rings of fire, I think, is like you do it. You do a couple of them. You do a couple rings, uh, and then all of a sudden you're just you're you know you're connected to so many different liquidity routes. You're you're not you're not necessarily reliant on a single person who can raise their fees uh, at will. I mean that's another issue, right? I could have just raised my fees at will, um, which I didn't do, but I could have. Uh, and 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 rings of fire kind of reduces that. Um, dependency. I, but I do push back on this idea. Like every time I join a Rings of Fire group, they're like, don't raise your fees. I'm like, guys, like no one's going to remember your Telegram message saying not to raise your fees in like four years when this channel is still open. Uh, you just have to assume that people are going to raise and lower their fees and, and routing will work as designed. Mm. Yeah, I think it's cool in, in terms of like keeping people accountable or at least trying to keep people accountable in the early days of, of the Ring of Fire. Um, like you said, in four years, you know, who, who knows? But I think another aspect that's really cool is the idea of um, cooperating with the peers to, to, to build a more resilient network. Um, because right now, you know, how does a new node coming online right now? Um, where does it, who does it connect to? I mean, like, okay, well, I'll look on one ML and I'll go to, I'll, well, everyone's connected to the async. It's the number one node. Let me connect there. Um, and we self, I think it's something that human nature does anyways, but we self centralize in a way. Um, and we create these single points of failure naturally. But if we have a sort of coordinator to help build it, I almost look at the ring of fire, like, like a, like a, I don't know, like a carbon fiber net that is just super strong and we're all building on each other and we're all self-organizing to have the best routes. Not everyone is connecting to fold just because they like fold and they're doing really cool stuff. Um, you have some people connect to the fold and maybe you coordinate and say, okay, cool. We'll have some connections out to, um, you know, async or, or other places. So I, I'd love the idea of, of the lightning network kind of trying to self-organize in a way and not just trend towards um, centralization and, and hub and spokes. I mean, I think, I, look, the, there's one of the cool things about Bitcoin is to me, it's it's so so with lightning, there's a bit of a tragedy of a com of the commons concern. Um, and and that's a trade off that was made to basically get us faster, uh, cheaper transactions. Um, and that's fine. It's more centralized than, you know, and less censorship resistant than on chain because it makes those different trade offs because it sits on top of the Bitcoin main chain. But the Bitcoin main chain is super cool to me because it's almost reverse tragedy to the commons. Um, it's like uh, you've uh, like optimist of the, the commons. Like it's good for the, it's like every, if you're greedy, it's good for everyone because transaction fees are just designed in a way. Uh, that that means that you you can't you know um, 
like like by acting greedy, you're you're a good participant in the network. But with lightning, the natural progression is the cheapest thing an individual can do, the most private thing an individual can do is simply open, you know, have a Tor only lightning node and open one or two channels to the most connected nodes, period, with the lowest fees, period. And, uh, you know, that, that could be, uh, that, that could be like an async or a regulated company, or that could be, um, who's that guy who has, uh, I got, I just got a loss who has like 40% of the network. Ellen um, Big. Ellen Big. Ellen Big. It could be like an Ellen Big, and that is the cheapest and most private way that you can interact with Lightning. So we kind of need this push. We need these 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 sovereign Bitcoiners that are willing to go out of their way, risk a little bit more of their privacy, risk a little bit uh, more money in, at stake to try and build this network because they understand that you know low time preference, long term, it's better for all of us. If if we have a more robust lightning network, right? Exactly. Yeah, I, I, it is so. There've been a couple of questions about like how many people are in the ring. It's up to up to ten, as I, as I uh, gathered so far, and also about the fee thing. So it, it is just supposed to be reduced for the time of that circular rebalance, that that one time circular rebalance. I mean, after that, you know, obviously, no one could. Oh, okay. That makes would sense. Would want to then. ask you, right? Because just just to shift the liquidity, because in that case, you know, if there are t- mm-hmm. ten people, there is there are ten channels to pay through, and if you know everyone takes their you know point one percent or whatever, then right. it can get to a significant level. And uh, so the other thing is that, that again, there is a trade off of like, I think the, these this exists certainly in the Telegram and then also Reddit. I mean, both are like you know kind of KYC light chat apps right so um the best thing is i mean we spoke about how bad it is to kind of tie your um node to <laughs> your phone number basically um so you might want to set up just a and kind of in on identity uh, or like pseudonym to be exact and just you know open up like uh, you know um Tails and register a, a burner number and go on Telegram and and have these channels and then leave that as a point of contact for the node and just uh, maybe register if you register one ML put a put an email address on there so if people have trouble and you want to be a good player and you might need it yourself uh, they can contact you right so, um, because there could be technical issues still or people doing you know, making mistakes or losing their channel states completely and, and stuff like that. Uh, when, you know, there would, it would be, it is really good to have a point of contact like that. And on the other hand, from your point of view, it is really good to know or to be able to contact your peers. So, I mean, you know, it, it's okay, for example, with async, you probably could contact them. But if you go to um, like a, a large node who is completely you know nameless and there is no way to to go to them if you have a problem or funds locked up most importantly then um, you know it, it, it's, it's not the best one of the things that i think is pretty cool though on on that specific topic is that i um i've tried this before and i haven't <laughs> i haven't gotten a response yet but i've used um 
uh, Thunder Hub to try to message um, other node, oh, yeah. uh, other yes, nodes exactly. on the network, yeah, through KeySend, um, because that's all you really need. You you just need their node identity. Um, you don't need an email address or anything to technically talk to them through KeySend. But uh, I've never gotten a response back from them. But that's well, what the the yeah. the more mainstream, even though it's an incredibly niche product, but. Uh, we already have over 200 freaks in the tribe uh, is Sphinx, which uses KeySend to communicate. Um, well, but I, I have a, I have a node set up just for that, which has like one channel and it's like following the best practices right. I, I was describing here. But that's the problem again, right? It's an exact social media account, right? So I cannot... Uh, I cannot right, so do I. That's a, I have a dedicated Sphinx node. Open ops. Uh I saw the. I mentioned in the article, but I saw there was a ticket to possibly add a second node to Raspberry Blitz. Is is that something oh, yeah. that you're actively working on? Where, where's that at? Well, I mean, at the moment, I'm working on adding C lightnings, right? So, and that would that nice. would be that would so it would be possible to run alongside. And also, I just did it make it worse today that you can even parallel on my Raspberry Pi with four gigabytes of RAM, I was able to run Bitcoin mainnet, testnet, and signet at the same time, and then have like LND and and C Lightning on those as well. So, you know, it's technically, it's it's entirely possible. I mean, the UX part is tricky because then how do you, you know, how, how do you know which node you are interacting with? So it works for me in the command line, and it does work now, you know, fairly well, I've done a like a little menu in with that script, which is uh, in that uh, um, issue in that Raspberry issue. Um, so you can do it, but then obviously you need to look after it, right? So uh, <laughs> because there will be the channel backups you need to save, there will be um, the passwords which would be different. So there's a couple of things you, you would need to look after. So it's kind of I left it as a working advanced option so it's basically it's there if you want to use it you can try it but uh yeah i i don't see it i mean uh having a menu right and uh and uh or having like a further implementation to the menu system and like having a graphical interface and things like that the clean ux way to handle it right is is to just run multiple separate nodes yeah, yeah well get, i have the two random yeah. points <laughs> <laughs> exactly and also, uh, yeah, there are a question of Tor circuits and stuff like that. But also, that's another thing. If you have like a separate nodes, but in the same physical place, you know, the internet cuts out and they are done at the same time. Uh, and then they or come if back like Texas loses power and and all the Texas <laughs> nodes Texas, all go offline yeah, yeah. at the same time. Yeah, speaking about like uh, your house, right? Not Texas. <laughs> yeah. but, so it's very obvious then. But, but yeah, I was thinking yeah. about this the other day, like if a hurricane hits, you know, like a hurricane hits Florida or something. Um, they should be able to migrate. <clears throat> right, but all the Florida nodes are going to go down around the same time. Or like if a, if a region loses power, like all yeah. those nodes are going to go down at the same time, even if you're going through Tor and you're protecting your IP address. Yeah, they, they, yeah, they will be dogs, but they would have, a, you know, still a good anonymity set with a large area like that. <laughs> That's a good right. point. Never consider that. Yeah, and my my node definitely went down during those Texas uh, Texas things. I had a UPS uh, power supply, but it 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 didn't last long enough through all the rolling blackouts. So eventually, my Raspberry Blitz just 
turned off and and it shut off terribly and <laughs> actually had to restore it which is another thing i love about raspy blitz is that um every time you upgrade you basically wipe the device right so it kind of you know teaches you um or at least it, it has this like built-in process where you can feel comfortable knowing you can wipe the device and as long as you still have that hard drive you're you're good to go and as long as you have those even if something happened to that those static backup channels are are key so um i had like those texas storms built a lot of confidence in me for um raspy blitz because of that shout, shout out to uh tjp3 in the comments um he encapsulated what i was going for for on-chain bitcoin is the prosperity of the commons it feels like a reverse tragedy of the commons um <laughs> but yeah i was thinking about the power outages like that's uh I mean, this is the thing about like privacy and adversarial thinking and stuff. Like if you go down far enough down the rabbit hole, you end up in like a really depressed uh, area where you just, you, yeah. you just, it, you, you yeah. just think we're fucked. Um, and I think it's important for people to, you know, have good vibes on Bitcoin Tuesday. Like uh, we have to be <laughs> optimistic here. Um, it'll be a fight and, and sovereignty is never going to be easy and personal responsibility is never going to be easy. But someone has to do it, and I want that to be us. I don't want that to be someone else. I, I think we're the ones who have to do it. So here we are. Need to build the roads, Matt. We need to build the roads. <laughs> Dude, I just no, want to I... say to both of you guys, just it's 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 really fucking awesome that episode 21, Citadel Dispatch 21, is with two ride-or-die freaks. Uh, who You guys have both been here from the beginning uh, for Citadel Dispatch. Um and it, it it really I I know it started it started last year it's it's been <laughs> it, it's been two years now no um it's just it's it it started as just something that you know like I I I I was either gonna disappear or I was gonna start something new um and I decided to lean in and you guys have been there the whole way so it's just it's just great that you guys are both uh on here for for episode twenty one so cheers to that. Well, props to you, man. You know, it's a fantastic initiative. Yeah, no, I love it. The best part of the week, honestly. So um, it's an honor to be be on here and, and talking about privacy. Fuck yeah. Happy Bitcoin Tuesday, freaks. Hell yeah. Um, so I have a question. Key send versus LNURL. Citadel Dispatch is a perfect example. Um, it's a show that has no sponsors except for the audience. The audience is the sponsor of the show. Um it could work with either Keysend or LNURL. Um, why do I have LNURL in my bottom left-hand corner instead of a Keysend URL? A Keysend QR code. But it would be just your pop key then. <clears throat> yeah. Should we talk about, the, let's talk about the trade-offs, open arms. The trade-offs for LNURL? Uh, like, well, yeah. it has why? A, it, is there any reason to use KeySend when LNURL exists? Is my question. So LNURL needs a server side, right? So it does right. what, what what it does. It 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 is as it in, in the name. It is a URL, which is like an internet address. Uh, so it pings a server when you connect to it to ask for the invoice, which you then pay. It's that's like LNURL pay in a very very simplified way. Um, so it and that needs to be a, a publicly accessible endpoint. So, you know, not everyone has that and you, it cannot be just store only. Um, and it's a trade off for usability because yeah, it's just very easy to kind of, you know, click and click and pay. 
uh, versus with keys sent. I mean, that is something, again, then you are sharing your pop key. So that's, that is, uh, I mean, you're sharing the pop key in the invoice, which Ellen Ura provides anyway, if you are using your own node. Uh, but so the information is quite similar with, 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 a, with a pop key as well. I mean, you could put it up and see, you know, how many people would key send to it. I think it's just the, the support is not that not that out of the box. So Ellen Ura has better, better support because, um, you know, people work on it more and it's it's a quite fun protocol, especially things like Ellen Ura Oath, when you can, you know, verify your, verify an identity without exposing the pop key in that case. Um, so there are a couple of other parts of this Ellen Ura protocol, which are, which are quite interesting. But I think in the long term, they will probably be, uh, uh, replaced by things within the Lightning Protocol. Yeah, the, the cool thing about LN URL, I think you described it earlier, OpenNOMS, um, with uh, um, LNTXBot, they actually do try to shield your the destination pub key a little bit by by doing yeah. that kind of fake fake private channel, fake public key, at least per user. Um, the, the thing with that is... Um, I, I kind of talked about it a little bit. Uh, eventually, repeating that process, you know, if 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 there's always this one. Actually, I won't dive into the details there because it, it just gets way too nuanced. I I, I think it's a, a it's a good thing that Alan um, <laughs> URL has pro yeah. that can try to shield um, your uh, the, your actual destination, um, your actual node. Um, by using the fake private routes, basically. So with Keysend, you can't do that you, because, it, like you said, does have that public key requirement. Yeah, that's a destination. Um, yes, that's, yeah. There you expose the destination, whereas in the um, LNURL pay protocol, you can just ask for a route to pay. So like a blinded route, even you know, which is a thing from the future. But then you would just get like onion packages, which you wouldn't see where they are going. You just uh, you know. Put it, put them into a node, and it gets paid. My, my, I guess my point is like, right? Like the dream is for Citadel Dispatch to be able to receive fully sovereign donations, right? Like I'm uh, Fiat Jaff, who is the maintainer of LN Transaction Bot, uh, is a fucking legend. Shut up, um, yeah. <laughs> and I, I hope to have him on on Dispatch soon. Um, I feel like he doesn't get enough credit. Uh, but here I am, right? I'm choosing to use, I'm choosing to use a custodial wallet because I think it's better. I think it's better for the privacy of myself and the privacy of the audience. Um, but and, ideally, yeah. right? Like, it, it'd be nice if if there was an easy way for me to accept um, support for this show in a more sovereign way. So, so you can do it. As, as said, it just needs to have that public server endpoint. Which is, you know, would be a problem for you to set it up, so it's much easier. But you're going to get KYC'd on that. Yes, Usually. yeah, yeah. That's a trade-off. So you even you can be a bit, you know, you have the place to ask for a, a more private way of paying, paying, but you need to have that place. Whereas if you just uh, expose um, a. a, a a node with a public, uh, a public key, which has like a public channel, which is already, you know, spread in the gossip, in the network graph, so people know about it, or the wallets know about it, then, you know, it could be paid the same way. There is right. no technical difficulty 
technical limitation to that, but it obviously couldn't have like route hints, so it couldn't have like private channels and things like that because it would be only just the destination exposed. So I, I think this is like a good point to jump into Fiat Jaff's newest uh, project. I don't know if either of you are very familiar with it. Immorden, I think, Immorden. is the pronunciation. Um, yes. And and the funded I, by Alan Big. Funded by Alan Big. Funded by our favorite spook. Um, the <laughs> that, that, that I tease, but don't initiative. at the same time. What? It's a good initiative. Uh, you know, I think it's it's a, it's a good thing he does funded i had i'm not gonna i'm not gonna call him out by name but i had a good friend reach out and goes alan big can't be a spook because uh he funded immorden and i said yeah well uh the nsa funds tour so here we are yeah the nsa guarantees that that uh tour is there (laughs) so you know they need the anonymity set of us ours as well so um, so Immortan is this idea. He's creating a lightning implementation that's designed for private light nodes. Is that a good summary? Yeah, I think so. Um, I I don't know enough about like the the fine grained details of it. Um, but one of the I I, I think I, I've heard about a few initiatives kind of like this. I forgot what the other one uh, was called, but this idea of being able to sort of have like a cluster. Of, of nodes where inside the cluster you kind of get this anonymity um kind of so when i you know i i could be describing this specific project um incorrectly um but i think i'd love the idea of, of like you know me as the sender you know i'm sending into this cluster of nodes and then i don't know what happens afterwards it, it goes in here i don't know what node actually receives the funds in the end um, I, I believe that may be one of the, the goals of Immortem. I could be wrong, but I, I think more concepts like that will come out. I think Electrum is, can be interesting as well. I mean, obviously, they have like a smaller team and they started a bit later than the, the other implementations. But, uh, you know, th- their focus is, is very much uh, related to privacy as well. And they have, I mean, they have swaps done so non-custodial submarine swaps implemented as well as like you know they use the software with what exchange is using because it's open source uh, uh, with a different uh, backend and also they have like rendezvous and trampoline routing trampoline is working already which is again can be a a trade-off but also an improvement um so yeah, there, you know, there are a lot of people working on this, and I expect you know large improvements in terms of privacy as well in the in the even next couple of months, but certainly within the years. I didn't even realize that Morden isn't uh, it's not Fiat Jeff, right? I think you know he he was uh, he might be involved, but he is certainly uh, advertising it. But it's the BLW people so there is this bitcoin lightning wallet which has been one of the first and it's based on the on the eckler code base um and yes this yes uh think. yeah the guy who, do, who is doing it is probably uh yeah anton kumai gorotsky yeah yeah is that just uh is that a fiat jaffnim or is that a different person? <laughs> no, I mean on Twitter he has his own. I okay. think on, on online dreaming, I think that's his. That's Dude's his such Twitter a boss. I just assume he has like four very productive nims. 
anything possible, but all I, my NIMs I, I, are way less productive. Yeah, online dreaming is his Twitter handle. Um, it's it's a funny account, and I think you know they are from different kind of. At least if it's fear, Jeff, you know he's pretending to be in from different parts of the world, so doing very well. <laughs> so. Uh, we're an hour and a half in here. Um, I think this conversation has been fantastic so far. Freaks, uh, I feel like I don't need to remind you since you are the ride or die. Uh, feel free to just post questions into the live chat, whether that's on Twitch, Twitter, or YouTube. Um, I guess 6102 has just given up on the KYC, so he just messages me on Keybase while we're going. Um, he wants <laughs> us to know um, that uh, Moon requires Google Play services which I just take for granted because I've been using Calyx OS now. So micro G also works with it. Yes. Um, but obviously we'd prefer if our apps don't require Google play services, uh, even if we can use a open source alternative, uh, it's better just not to have that dependency period. Um, so, I mean, I, I want to jump back into privacy, but before we do, I think a really cool, really cool. I mean, it's uh Cool might be the wrong word. A really interesting case study that's happening live right now in terms of private, quote unquote, uh, cryptocurrency transactions is we have the largest ransomware attack ever um, uh, happening live. As, it, as this show is airing, it, it has been happening for two days now. Um, and that's the capital pipeline uh, the largest pipeline in America uh, for gas uh, and other petroleum products is is currently being ransomware by the Dark Side Ransomware Group, uh, and we are seeing gas shortages across the East Coast, as far down as Louisiana and as far up as uh, the Northeast. Um, and what, what's really interesting here, let, let me show you just to the to the people watching the stream this is this is the capital pipeline so um oh. it is literally just going through all the most um i mean the east coast is the most dense area of the united states so as you can see it just goes down from goes from texas all the way up to new york um and the whole pipeline is shut down right now because these fucking idiots um attach critical infrastructure to the internet and they got ransomware um, what's interesting here is that there's been many articles written on it. Um, none of them mentioned Bitcoin specifically and they, they, if you control F, they, none of them say Bitcoin in them, all the reputable articles out of Bloomberg and whatnot, um, capital pipelines, own releases, no one mentions Bitcoin specifically. And if you, if you look at previous dark side ransomware, they actually, <laughs> Um, yeah, usually that. request both Monero and Bitcoin. Um, in the past, they've offered a discount of 10% if you pay in Monero, but the most recent one, they offered a 20% discount if you pay in Monero. Um, there's a possibility here that this ransomware is not asking for Bitcoin at all. They might just be asking for Monero, but regardless, Let's say that it's like the, this past one that I have up on the screen right now, and they're asking for a 20% um, premium if you pay with Bitcoin. Uh, what, like, it, does that tell us anything? Is there something we should take from this? Is this, you know, um, 
I mean, these ransomware guys are basically saying that it's going to cost you 20% more to have private transactions on Bitcoin, right? Well, well, why don't they just accept Lightning? <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> Good luck, yeah. With only one mixed output and they're going to have to do a loop ad. <laughs> no, I, I think, I, I assume just because that 20% is just going to go into a shit ton of mixing. <laughs> Yeah, and then probably into Monero. Yeah, that yeah, they could yeah. Um, no, that's that's crazy. This this whole situation. I mean, at, at a certain point, like thirty million, maybe it's more, maybe it's less for this scenario. Um, Dude, it's got to be way more, right? Like the la the last one was thirty million. This is the largest pipeline in the in fucking country. Like, it's the what do you think the ransomware request is? It's probably fucking a shit ton. I, th I think in some scenarios, um, the the attackers, their virus may not even know who they're like targeting. It could just be some some guy was watching a YouTube stream and ended up downloading it and infecting the whole entire pipeline. Um, so I, it, it it could be a situation where the attackers don't even know that it was this big group. That, I mean, that but the counter argument to me is if it was cheap. I think like the largest pipeline in America would be back, would be turned back on. They would just fucking pay the fucking thing, right? Yeah. And and you know, arguably, um, uh, chain analytics companies could offer support and be like, just just pay the Bitcoin and we'll try to track them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, but I I do agree. Like they they at a certain point. Just, just pay the damn thing. I, they probably don't want to set a terrible precedent, though. So we have we have some person in the comments asking what was the thirty million for. This was from Krebs on security, um, and it's it's based on the, the 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 other largest ransomware attack that they're aware of. Uh, they requested thirty million dollars, whether that was through Monero or Bitcoin, and it actually got negotiated down to eleven million. So there's a really good article by Krebs. Um, which I will post in the chat. Um, but if you go to krebsonsecurity.com, uh, it'll be the most recent blog post. Um, and, and he basically analyzes what we know from that previous ransomware. One thing that's interesting is um, I'm pretty sure Darkseid is on the sanctions list. So I wonder if um, they're not legally allowed to pay the ransom regardless of what the price is. That's a good point. It's very interesting watching this all play out. I mean, I, I, uh, my co-host on Rabbit Hole Recap, and we're going to talk about this on Thursday, um, had a bent where he said he said maybe it's a false flag, but I, I, you know, I think our infrastructure is so fucking vulnerable that it doesn't really surprise me that we have a whole pipeline down because of this shit. Like it, it doesn't. Uh, my my yeah. my my immediate thought is incompetence, not not false flag here. So, yeah, what yeah. was the big one from last year? Was wasn't there another huge one that it was like core infrastructure that got hacked in the U.S. Had, at least? We had like that water plant that they yeah. just caught it at like the last second. It wasn't even ransomware; they were just gonna like poison the water or something. Wasn't oh, okay. that what it was? That's better. At least it wasn't ransomware. Hmm. 
Um, I, I don't know. This whole thing is like pretty crazy just watching it unfold. Uh, and it's just interesting how you don't hear any, we don't know any of the specifics. They want, they, they refuse to tell us any of the specifics. Yeah. The question is that how reasonable it is to kind of be able to change the infrastructure. In, so what do they need? Is the data that valuable? That's the question. I mean, the time is probably, but you know, the longer they go on, the worse it gets. There's gas stations without any gas right now, open arms, like across the East yeah. coast. And it's just going to get worse. And, uh, like how, how high could the ransom be? Like just fucking, I guess you just, you should just pay it. Like this, this is one of the interesting things about these ransomware groups is that they're actually, they like work on like a web of trust system. Like they, they almost always will give you the decryption key. Yeah. Uh, if you pay, because if they don't, they know they're not going to get from the next person. Um, I don't know. Do it's just a really interesting topic. Yeah. Do you think it's a, I mean, you mentioned that no articles are mentioned in Bitcoin. Um, I mean, do you, do you think it's, even if Bitcoin is Bitcoin or Monero or whatever is the, the means of uh, payment that they want. Do you do you think it's maybe a good thing in this scenario that 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 part isn't getting coverage? Um, not just on from the price perspective, but to, I mean, it's just more fud that we have to try to tackle, or or you know maybe it's not. Um, so I, I don't know. What, what's your opinion on the fact that if it is Bitcoin that they're trying to accept, um, yeah. that it's not being publicized? So that's what's weird to me, right? Is because usually mainstream media. Um, like we'll take any chance and any chance they get to throw some FUD our way. Um, so I feel like if they could FUD Bitcoin, they would FUD Bitcoin on it. Uh, and one interesting aspect of Monero is, and, and, and this is just like the current state of Bitcoin Twitter. And probably also just because I have such a large platform on Bitcoin Twitter is that I wanted to talk about this on Twitter yesterday, but I just didn't really feel comfortable about it because I just knew I was going to get attacked from like every fucking side if I just even fucking mentioned it. So that's why I waited for an hour and a half into the show because <laughs> most of those people will not make it to this point. Um, the My thought is that this ransom is just completely in Monero. And one of the interesting things is the U.S. Marshal Service, who has been auctioning off Bitcoin this whole time, they refuse, they will not auction off Monero. And the reason is because, is, is because basically is because they think basically Monero usage is, is inherently criminal. It's only for privacy focused users. Um, so allowing Monero back into the system is like um, seizing cocaine and then auctioning it off. Um, so they won't auction off Monero and I could see them being extra strict about paying ransoms in Monero versus Bitcoin uh, for the exact reason you said, because if they pay Bitcoin, then they can have a whole team there trying to trace it. Even though I don't think, I think if you're a sophisticated actor, you can use Bitcoin privately relatively, not relatively easily, but easy enough. You know, it'll cost them less than 20%, but it'll cost them a little bit extra money, but they can use it in a, in a relatively private way. Um, if they're sophisticated and they're patient, um, I think maybe these large corporations would be more susceptible to paying it in Bitcoin rather than Monero. And maybe that's why, um, maybe that's why we haven't heard anything that, that like seems reasonable to me, or maybe the premium that they're asking is like 30 or 40% this time. And they still offer the option. 
I, I did not know that about the Marshalls not um not selling not auctioning off Monero. Do do they just do they do they actually burn it then or they're well, I guess we wouldn't know. If, yeah, they're if they're hodlers then then they keep keep fuck. it for I mean, I assume yeah, they keep use it for all this their, scenario. I assume they use it for all their like illegal activities. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's dip into that supply and save the East Coast. <laughs> um yeah, I, I don't know. I this is gonna be an interesting thing to watch play out. I'm I'm curious when we see more information. Um we will be talking about it on Rabbit Hole Recap. We will continue to talk about it on Citadel Dispatch as well. Um I'm curious if, if can you spin this uh, just for the sake of uh, you know argument is um can you spin this the other way? Like that obviously it is not Bitcoin making this possible is the digital infrastructure and their bad obsec is which is making the attack possible so actually having a private way to pay it or i mean i'm talking about just having bitcoin available but even you know speaking for monero in that sense as well that is more private that um it makes it possible to pay it yeah i mean so i think is it is I, it not a good thing then i it's available as a tool, right? Yeah, I mean, I think o the obviously the attack itself is terrible, you know. But the logical, the logical uh, understanding is that good money is is useful for criminals as well, right? Uh, no one, no one says if, yeah. if if you get kidnapped and you have to pay the the ransom in in U.S. dollars in a duffel bag, no one's like U.S. dollars caused this kidnapping, right? Um, these are, if anything. You know the ransomware attacks that we've seen because because you actually have a money that you can you can pay them off in historically it's been bitcoin um make our systems more secure right because they're exposing vulnerabilities that were already there they just couldn't be monetized in the past so they were secretly um being used right like they were they were secretly being used by enemy governments and enemy corporations and, and malicious individuals altogether and because there's there's an incentive to monetize those attacks, we're being made aware of how vulnerable our infrastructure really is. Um, all that said, open arms, um, I don't really see the boomers in government uh, going that logical route. I, I do see this being used as uh, FUD fuel. Um, yeah. I would push back, though, if we do find out, if we do find out that this ransomware was Monero only, um, there's going to be a shit ton of compliance bros that come out and they're like, Bitcoin is, is better because we, it doesn't support these ransomware things or whatever. <laughs> and I, I think it's a canary in the coal mine type of situation. I think we should be worried if the most sophisticated, wealthiest, uh, actors in, in private digital transactions are moving to a different currency is something that we should all be aware of and we should be actively trying to improve Bitcoin in that respect. Yeah, absolutely. I 100% agree with that. Um, I almost kind of take that approach with my own home network um, because I have my Raspi Blitz on my home network. If if funds go missing on there, I know, I know I've been owned. <laughs> so it kind of puts a price on – it puts the price on data. I would, I would rather – know that someone was on my network and took my funds then then know that someone's on my network listening and i don't even know they exist 
and they just yeah. watch and and exactly like what if you know today it, we're, we're putting a price on we're putting a price on that virus and and if they are trying to accept bitcoin monero whatever it's ransomware so they're trying to accept something we're putting a price on that and trying to incentivize well, they're definitely not accepting that yeah we're trying to incentivize that instead of the alternative which is another government like what blowing up a pipeline if they could you know, right. so I, I think it's better that it's monetized instead of for extremely malicious purposes. One of the yeah. coolest things I read about when I was first becoming a Bitcoiner was there's one guy on Reddit, um, Reddit, never used Reddit anymore. But there's this one Nim on Reddit who just insisted that every time you spin up a new cloud server, you should just put a hot wallet on it of like at least $10,000 because you're just like you're just putting a nice a low floor there. That if if just the casual attacker just comes through, they'll probably just take your take your money. And and since then, on all my computers, you know, I I, I keep a I keep a little bit of a hot wallet there, uh, just to be like a nice little canary in the coal mine. Like if if you come in, you're gonna have to have a low time preference if you want to actively surveil me because you're just gonna have this thing sitting here. Is it, is it the wallet dot dot? Is the wall? Well, yeah, just you just got like a nice little wallet dot dot. If you want to key log <laughs> me or whatever, just the money is sitting there, you know. So like you're just gonna have to fucking either not take it or uh, take it and let me know that you that you've compromised the system. I think it's kind of a cool little uh, aspect. Okay, That's sure. Okay, hopefully no one goes after your laptop now, you know. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm already a target, so I don't think that really added much. I if anything, the bounty is not enough. Um, once, once they hit the machine, uh, the, I mean, all my, all my real funds are not connected to this machine. So just keep that in mind, attackers that are listening right now. Um, yes, they, they are a multi-jurisdictional multi-sig, which, you know, you lost <laughs> the keys for. Um, so should we talk about, uh, we, we, in the Sphinx tribe, there was a lot of talk about seed XOR, um, oh. versus multi-sig. Um, some person in the chat wants to borrow my laptop real quick. Um, the <laughs> uh, CDXOR versus uh, multi-sig. Uh, open arms. You want to go through the different trade-offs between the two of them? First, could you des describe XOR? Because this is a relatively new thing, right? Um, I, I haven't yes. had a chance to, to catch up on it. So CDXOR is this idea that uh, you use a relatively straightforward um, uh, algorithm to to separate a seed into two seeds that are both BIP39 compliant, or you could do multiple. You can even do more than that. So you can do 10 seeds and you need all the pieces. So it's almost like uh, Shamir's, it's like Shamir's secret sharding, um, but each, each secret is also BIP39 compliant. How, how did I do it? And, and I guess it's, it's, it's easier to do. You can just do it like on, on paper by yourself uh, to prove that, that it worked rather than with Shamir's is like a little bit more complicated to verify. What do you, how, what do you think about that explanation, Open Arms? Mm, I mean, I, I didn't look into it very deeply, but I think that's, that should be yes. correct, yes. So with all that I'm said, not sure, I'm not sure. Can, can you do that on paper? Yeah, it's, yeah. It he released like a lookup table. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm he released the he released a lookup table, which is really fucking cool. And you, I mean, you it's it's a little bit harder to verify the actual seed, right? You would have to do like verifiable dice rolls, whatnot, 
to begin with. But if you have a seed that you trust, actually turning it into seed XOR um, is a relatively easy process that you can do on your own. You yes. Verify yeah, no, your own. yeah, see, that's, it's, it's, yeah, it's very elegant. So it's almost, uh, almost added it. Yeah. Like it almost can be additive to what your current setup is, basically. Yeah. It has it has the same negative as single sig or Shamir's that you have to have combine all your secrets onto the same device. In this case, it would be a cold card uh, to sign. Um, but the um, the benefit over single sig is like instead of having just a straight clear text, you know, uh, seed plate or something like that, a metal plate that has your seed, you'd have multiple of them. But but there's no redundancy, so. You have to you have to have all the secrets, otherwise you're you're shit out of luck. Like yeah, Shamir's. What, yeah, what what is nice is that it can be done retroactively. So you already have a seed, because otherwise there is no like practical difference with like using a big a, a good passphrase, right? I mean, in that case, you have two parts. You have the passphrase and you have the seed, and you combine them. You have the wallet, but with this one, I mean, first of all, you can use as many parts as you like. And also, you can break down your seed, which is already existing. So you you can destroy that one backup after you have obviously broken down, have uh, distributed into these XOR seeds and seed sorks, and um, you know verify that you can recover. You can just destroy that original seed and you can have only have this kind of uh, seed source um, stored in you know different places or in in multiplies it's a uh, yeah it's, it's a very nice uh, thing to have if you if you ever worry about that you have only one seed which you didn't break up you shouldn't like cut it to three pieces rather you should do this what i like about it is that it creates plausible deniability for everyone who uses a cold card or anything else that supports it. Um, and I like that it's a relatively easy improvement that a single SIG user can do. So, so multi-SIG is still the um, gold standard, um, but uh, we've acknowledged on the show many times that there's still a lot of complexities with multi-SIG. Um, I think it's significantly easier than it's ever been, and it will continue to get easier. Um, and I think a lot of those concerns are overblown, but but it, it definitely is more complex. I mean, I don't know how many newcomers you guys have onboarded recently, um, but uh, we definitely live in a little fucking bubble. Like it is. Uh, uh, but I think multi-sig is for rather for like uh, governance purposes, like when you actually need to have three people controlling funds and only you know two out of the three can make a transaction that is a, a, a very good way to kind of you know govern like family right. funds or like a small company or and, and, and obviously you can uh, you can extend this to higher numbers not infinite but uh, you know reasonably high and, and you can also use it in combination you can you can exactly. seed XOR one of the multi-sig seeds this is a backup improvement uh, yeah. that you don't need to put all your seed into a, a, a wallet I'm, I'm, I'm into into one place but i'm not uh, yeah i mean I, I, it sounds to me because it's uh it's not derived information but it's actually combining it that you know it's cryptographically safe as well so it's it's 
I cannot compare it to like you know how uh, compare it to like you know shamir secret sharing, but uh, um, I would think that it is you know comparable to that in kind of in, in terms of security. So if you have one plate, you have no chance of recovering the whole seed without the other one. So that that, that is good. And in terms of redundancy, I mean you can do. You can use alternate methods of backups and combine them to have redundant packages uh, without using multi-sig, still with your single sig. But I mean, at least the, the schema I've been um, studying and like kind of writing down that at, at least it's, it's used a passphrase as well. So uh, you know, if you don't haven't used the passphrase, you, you cannot use that kind of thing. So the yeah, so the bad thing is that you know you just have a seed which you, you haven't secured a passphrase and you feel uneasy. Well, you can um, you can use it in combination with passphrase too. Yes, you can do you can do. But what I'm saying is that you don't need to move the funds to, to secure them more with this method. I think it's important. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I it's but it's also important for the freaks to realize like like guys, the majority of the time, especially if you're not a public figure your complexity is going to be what kills you yeah. more than, you know, an adversarial attacker. Um, you need to document it very carefully and put it into um, the, the uh, dead man switch. Yeah, which adds a privacy risk to that as well. Um, well, but, you can have uh, your own, but yes. Yeah. Um, well, just documenting things, backing up things is a privacy risk. Um <laughs> Uh, but that you have to balance because you should back up things. Uh, the yeah, I, I so I had I had someone message me individually. I just want the freaks to know, per the previous conversation, that I operate under the assumption that my device is already owned. Okay, guys. So there there is no uh, if 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 you want to attack my fucking computer, have at it. But just know that I'm already assuming that there's like four different attackers already on the device. So just operate under that assumption. Yeah, wipe it regularly. That's uh, the best advice. Um, so what should we talk about next, guys? Good question. Um, yeah, I, I, I kind of wanted to highlight, at least in, in this scenario, I, I watched um, the the price action for a while on on the show and i think this is the closest i've ever seen the parity between bisque and and what's the other what's the other so issue? Have, coinbase yeah we have the evil empire on top uh to those watching the video stream that's coinbase uh which is the most volume exchange still to date most volume spot exchange and then we have the good guys underneath which is bisque it's, but it's USD BISC, right? So I, I, I would think it's probably have more liquidity in Euro. Um, Maybe. But then I, then it would be two different currencies displayed. So I know. it's just not clean. No, just pointing that out that, you know, there's a lot of, uh, there are multiple currencies happening and they have completely different kind of order books. Yeah, I mean, the real volume's happening on the Monero Bitcoin order book on BISC. But that would be really Is confusing really? if I displayed that. Yeah, it's like eighty percent of their volume is the Monero Bitcoin order book. Wow. Okay. Which is um, why they have a fork happening right now, and it's like a. Is it, it's a really I mean, it, yeah? They have their own Bcash a, happening. 
it's just a principle fork, isn't it? It's like it's they are not forking the code. They need to build up completely new from uh, to be based on Monero, right? This have a new project, is that it? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know exactly. It is. It is definitely a principle fork because if if the goal is to just uh, create a platform for Bitcoin Monero swaps, then uh, I don't know why you would just. I don't know why you'd use the BIS code base. Like the BIS code base is designed in a way to handle fiat trades. Um, I feel like you can do it more streamlined if you didn't want to handle fiat trades, but uh, not my fight and I will not be fighting that. (laughs) Um, You want to talk about Taproot? Are you guys optimistic on Taproot? Uh, We have a new difficulty adjustment about to happen. Is it going to get activated in the next difficulty adjustment? Um, Um, No. (laughs) What are we at? 55% now? Less than that. It's like thirty something. Was it taproot.watch.com? Yes, thirty-five. Yes. Well, I mean, taproot.watch. Well, uh, okay. The 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 whole block, the whole two week period, is at thirty-five. But we had some recent adjustments. Um, recent people signaling. I think pull in wasn't fully signaling at first, and now they are. So the current total is fifty-four point thirty-five percent. Um. Right. So going into the next block, we'll we'll have that, or, or maybe a little bit better if if people or sorry, not next block, the next next ha- unless uh, unless the pools adjustment. decide to fuck with us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, which didn't did last time. Yeah, didn't BTC? Yeah, BTC.com is at one signaled block out of one hundred and forty-two. What's up with that? They're gonna fuck with us. They always fuck with us in the signaling periods because they can they can fuck with the. When we get really close, if if they switch what they signal, uh, th- they're going to actually affect the price. Uh, last time it was extra bad because Segwit was also being activated on Litecoin and F2 Pool had majority over on Litecoin as well. Um, so they were changing their signaling on both and affecting the prices of both uh, as they got closer to activation. Um, so I would behoove everyone to expect um that we're going to see you know them fucking around with us as as we get closer the incentive becomes more and more uh francis uh francis of bull bitcoin he uh made a very interesting point that you know there's no one remembers the the guys who signaled in between like everyone remembers the first guys to signal and the last guys to signal when the activation is like really fucking tight. So the, the incentive in the middle is kind of, uh, it's just not as strong. So I, I do expect fuck arounds to happen. Do you think, uh, like, especially with Binance, you know, going on Twitter and saying, Hey guys, should we signal and, and that kind of bullshit? Do you think they're trying to save the day at the end and say, yes, guys, we're, we're yep. the reason, you know, kind of a publicity stunt. I think I think if you use Binance as your pool, you're not a real Bitcoin miner. But uh, um, all I can say is we have all these proof of stake currencies coming out uh, that are going to have KYC regulated fucking cucked exchanges as their main uh, security providers of the network. So they can have fun staying poor with that. Like that's not going to be a a pleasant thing. At least Binance is. Uh, what is Binance percentage right now? They're like fucking nothing. Zero percent. Ten point three four percent finance pool, which is you know if if it was if it was proof of stake, Binance would be significantly higher than that. Yeah, I'm kind of surprised. 
I didn't even know they were they were a Bitcoin pull until yeah. until Taproot, honestly. I think it's relatively recent. Um so Anthony, me and you, uh, we kind of like flirted on Twitter about it. I called you out on the show a bunch of times. Um, you want to talk about Lightning Pool and and the rates that they're offering and how that affects with you know fee market and whatnot? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I've been playing around for a little bit. I'm not like a super pro at it, um, but w- one of the things. Uh, when pool originally launched and I've been watching the charts, um, there's a Twitter handle. I think it's just lightning pool. Um, an unofficial, um, uh, Twitter, uh, you know, we, we were seeing rates anywhere between, you know, you know, 3%, um, to all the way to like 20. Um, I think some extreme cases, even, even above that. Um, and you know, as of, as of recently, um, you know, I joined in and, and I got like a, uh, like a a few like ten to fifteen percent rates, which um, were pretty good. I I were I was able to lease channels for about that much. Um, what ended up happening to me um, was that we got into that situation where you know we we were losing hash rate in China, and you know the difficulty was just way too high to be able to support a transaction so we got f- high fee rates and i ended up doing the math and the channels that i leased um if i were to close um because right now in the lightning pool you you lease channels for two weeks total which is kind of funny that it lines up with the difficulty adjustment right so you could end up um, doing your you know cost basis and saying okay cool the transaction fees are just are just you know you know a few sats per byte right now. Um, it's not going to cost me uh, that much to do an on-chain transaction. So let me do my calculations to come out to okay, you know uh, a six percent lease sounds good to me. And so you 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 open up your lease, you sell them, uh, someone buys them, and then now the new difficult your two weeks are up. A new difficulty has has sprung. And all of a sudden, it now costs you a whole lot more to do uh, to close your channel because, right? So you've leased the channel, and now it's time to close it. Otherwise, that peer, if you keep that channel open, that peer is essentially getting, you know, every day past 14, they're essentially getting a free channel um, that you, as the leaser, pay the transaction fee for. You are locking up the, the funds with them. And to close out the channel, you are the one, the leaser is the one to pay the tr- closing transaction fee costs. Um, it, <laughs> so in total, there there are about three on-chain transactions you have to do as a leaser. You, you, Brutal. You, it sucks. It's terrible. Um, they, they say that they're going to try to fix it so you can um, try to close into a lightning pole. So essentially, you to, to, to be a leaser, you have to make an on-chain transaction to a Lightning Pool account, which is basically a multi-sig, a two-to-two multi-sig with Lightning Labs uh, that expires after whatever you can set your own expiration date of when you want it to expire. So if if Lightning Labs were to go away after a few weeks, you could recover your funds. Um, so it's a uh, two-to-two fallback to your own private key. So you you move funds into that pool account. Then when you sell a lease, and you can you can sell multiple leases with with um, with your funds, you end up um, opening a channel, and you pay the fees for that, and then you close the channel, 
and you pay the fees for that. And then you have to go back into pool <laughs> and you pay the fees for that as well. So the, each round of, of selling a channel that you're going through, you're paying on three on-chain transactions. And it got to the situation where I couldn't close my channels uh, that had expired that, you know, I, I fulfilled my end of the bargain. I fulfilled my two week period and I couldn't close my channels or I would be, I would be so negative. Um, you know, we were, we were seeing what, like 10 or $15, uh, uh, on chain fees. Larger, I forgot how many stats that was. Yeah. There was no way I was, I was, I was going to do that. And then it, when, when I say six to 10% or whatever for a lease, what I mean is if that were annualized, <laughs> if I had that channel open, what you mean for is this bullshit? <laughs> what I mean is, yes, uh, you're not actually. Uh, you're getting six percent APR for a two-week period. So whatever that comes down to, what like point one two percent? Why um, is it for, two weeks? Two weeks seems way too short. Like, aren't we supposed to lower our time preference? Yeah, um, lightning pole. It, it's it's technically um, lightning pole supports being able to do a variety of different um, uh, um, lease times, um, but in, in order to have um, a more a better auctioning. Um, uh, I guess what am I trying to say? Um, to have more people, have a bigger order book or more offers, right? Yeah, to to have more offers that match, um, they make everyone do just two weeks. But as we start getting more offers, uh, as more people start using pull, buying and selling, uh, they're going to open it up to to have more a uh, variety of of different um, uh, lease periods, so uh, which would be good. So this goes into a thing that I've been talking about a lot on the podcast uh, is this idea of reputation, right? So, so not only do you have these other aspects of lightning pool, but they're also um, right now, I guess you can only lease channels if you have a certain boss score, which they're calling the balance of Satoshi score, but it was, it behooved me not to mention that it was made by Alex Bosworth and it's his, it's, yeah. it's his name. So by default, uh, who, whoever puts the bids or which is so when you're buying channels, uh, by default you are accepting channels from or buying channels from the nodes in the tier one, which is right. an obscure obscure ranking system. But, Part of it is like the boss score, probably. But um, I mean, it, it's kind of a, a quality control of the liquidity being sold. So I guess. Um, it, it got released today to try and make it less obscure and lightning labs released this new terminal um, web terminal for, you know, ranking nodes. And I put it in the chat. Um, if you're watching this live, it's in the chat. If you click that um, this is our stacking sats node, um, which I've tried my best to run Ooh. a nice sovereign tour routing node. It has $270,000 worth of capacity. And I just want to let the attackers know that also includes remote capacity. That's not all the capacity that I have on my node. Um, and they're just destroying me. I'm unstable. I have zero, <laughs> zero, I have 158 peers and zero of them are good, according to them. Well, that is just because it doesn't doesn't go through after it. So once your uptime is is solved, which will be like within a week or, or, or one, two weeks, you know, it depends. If you had like a downtime for a while, then it will get resolved after, after time. No, but I moved this node three weeks ago, four weeks ago, I moved this node to Nautil Cloud. 
Yeah. Um, so shout out to it the Noddle be. team. Yeah. The Noddle team are sponsoring this node. They're hosting it on their own high uptime cloud servers. Um, I have zero of 158 of my peers are, are considered good peers by them. And I'm an unstable node, even though it's been around for two years. Like well, that, that seems bugged. That seems but, bugged. Yeah. But it, it, it's probably, if it will be like, we can't know their time limits, but if it, if it will be stable. So obviously you had a downtime when you were moving, but if you were stable for like a month, you need to be kind of, you know, waiting for this. And then uh, the, last option i know this because i was alpha testing this thing as well i mean i don't know anything about the background go code because it's not uh published as far as i know but uh my it's not open i don't think so yeah uh but my uh my nodes have been you know up and down and i could see that you know if i do an update or i do a bit of a crash management stuff like that you know then the uptime does suffer obviously and then um after a couple of weeks it comes back up and then if you if you have like a couple of well capitalized and well connected peers who are actually all green in this kind of list then you will have some good peers as well if so like what do they want me to do they like do i have wait, to wait do i have to bend my knee to the lightning labs or do i do i get rid of all 158 peers i have and just you know close all my channels and start for, fresh like what the fuck the do they want me to do for the uptime you just need to wait you know it will be probably resolved but you can always i mean there is like a submit feedback here right please you click the know. link yes i mean how I, bad I is that they're like fucking doing us man <laughs> so this is just I, I, this is an interactive guide, right? So it just makes you suggestions how you can how you can improve. Well, it, it's an it's an interactive guide, but it's also it's also segregating him from a market. Um, yeah. Like uh, I I think something's bucked to to have. So I'm like I'm not going to submit too much information, but I have between a dozen or two dozen channels. That's it, um, all self funded, and I. And even during the Texas outages, where my node was down for for basically a week and a half, I didn't lose my spot in um, in the boss score. And, so and just I'm, to be, just to be clear, this is not the boss score. This is a, a separate thing. There might be I think it's. I think the ordering is based on the boss score. Is it not? Uh, I mean, we can we can check that. I have a link for the boss score now. They have me ranked at four twenty four. So. As Paul pointed out, we only no, need not. four more rank spots to get the the nice four twenty here. So it's not the same rank as, as in the boss score. Okay. It's, it's completely different. This, this node actually the... has a decent boss score. Yeah. Uh, my other node, which is a way better node than this node, that's not mm. public. Uh, it does not have a good boss score and is also tour only. And it yeah, has I wish very I could good show you mine. <laughs> so I'm, yeah, I'm exactly. looking stacking stacking sats isn't on the boss score right now. It was before it, they they knocked me off. Yeah. It's because I keep telling people that it's his last name, and so they removed me from the. It's because I. It's because we proposed the Odell score on the on the on the show. Now I'm now I'm blackballed. See, see, there was a few days where I wasn't on the score, and, and I thought I was, and I I tweeted at them, and and then within a few days I was back on. I'm not saying go. that that's what happened, but that's what happened. But again, if, you know, <laughs> uh, uh, until that until the downtime marker is or like uptime marker is red you will be down from the boss score as well and once it gets green you i know, can't what, believe they removed me from the boss list god <laughs> yeah. it hurts doesn't it 
I feel censored. This is like PayPal yeah. all over again. So as a um, open knobs hinted at it earlier, but as just a, um, just a disclaimer, uh, you, you can still be on lightning pool, but as a tier zero node um, and buyers um, have to opt in to accepting um, leases from tier zero notes. Um, and I don't know if that happens very often or not. Um, theoretically, I, I don't know why it hasn't been done yet, but the lightning pole Twitter, you know, it'll tell you who buys or not who buys. It will tell you when a lease was bought and for what percentage. Um, but what it doesn't tell you is who bought and who sold. Um, and I, I think, I don't know if you can tell, I don't think you can tell who bought and who sold, but you can tell the two oh, peers easy. that were in that. Um, yeah, so, you so just look it up. But once I, the, yeah, once the channel is confirmed, you just take that TX ID, put it into oneml.com, and it will spit it out the peers. Yeah. Well, what what I don't know is if you can figure this out very easily, um, like you said, but I want to know how many tier zero leases are being bought, if, oh, if yeah. at all. It's possible that it's not really. <laughs> I mean, there are not but that many matches possible. at all. Yeah, there are yeah. not that many it, matches at all, right? So. And occasionally I see leases being bought and where it's like, like, oh, cool. This channel was sold for, for 300 Satoshis. And I'm like, are you fucking serious? On-chain fees are 15 bucks or whatever yeah. right now. Like they paid 15 bucks and they got 300 sats um, out, out of that, which will go away, which is already gone before they even, as they open that channel <laughs> and spend that on-chain transaction, that 300 sats is, is in the negative. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's only good to kind of put if you have chan uh, funds to deploy to the Lightning Network, then it's probably a good idea to kind of put in put it where it is asked for or where it is needed. So, in the hope that it will generate some routing fees, and for that reason, I wouldn't even close it because you know, to I mean, I, I never open Lightning Channel, which I would only want to keep open for like two weeks you know i mean unless it's like uh you know goes offline or or there is some shenanigans <laughs> but uh, yeah so it's, it's it's just a kind of a pointer where channels could be opened I, that's how i look at it it's not generating i mean it did generate some income for me but uh, i never never closed those channels so again that is uh still coming that cost yeah because when you when you close those channels it will the fee will be taken from from you right so at that point you have to do a cost analysis do i think keeping this channel open with this pair will get me routing funds or should i just close it plus on top of that um <laughs> closing a two-week channel am i going to get a negative score on the boss score <laughs> you know um <laughs> is that is that one of the metrics used i know they said that one of the metrics used is if you close during a high fee rate environment um that's a negative uh a score not a negative score it hurts your score a little at least a little bit so at that point why would i you're almost joining a pool and then closing two weeks i would think that just hurts your score 
I just, which is another thing. Like this sucked. Why are we? Why are we worried about scores? Uh, it's it. It, <laughs> it, it I, sucks that to be part of the market, we're worried about these scores. Yeah, I, I do feel that the very different approach of uh, the Sea Lightning team and this kind of dual funding channel in, 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 initiative does eat into this model a lot. And I mean, I, I will be very curious to see that who. Uh, it probably Eclair, if they are, you know, if it's easy or like uh, feasible for them to technically uh, implement it, then they would be probably much quicker to do dual funding channel, dual funded channels than than LNT will be. <laughs> um, we'll see how it goes. I'm very curious um, about it because obviously they are, you know, for the uh, profit making services, profit generating services. And also, pool does take like a, a, what is it, a ten bip or a, a, a thousand it, it sets per million. Um, it, it can go up to twenty five percent of what you're selling. So, like if I'm if I'm doing a ten lease channel, and it's currently set at Lightning Pool takes twenty five percent off of that, then I'm essentially just getting eight um, percent, or sorry, seven point five percent. And and Lightning Labs takes the other. Isn't, isn't they have the fixed fee of of a thousand thousand per million, like a thousand sets per it, million? So basically, a thousand PPM. It varies, I think. Is it okay? I mean, mm -hmm. when I last looked at it, it wasn't, but then it might could have changed. Anyway, uh, they do a significant uh, uh, cut on that for sure. Yeah, what what I do like about Paul though is that at least it it keeps some accountability to the people that are selling channels through like other means. So like bit refills Thor, they sell channels. Alan big sells channels on their own. They have for a while. Um, even Alex Bosworth, he sells channels on y'all's. Um, it at least holds some kind of accountability metric and some sort of, it's not a completely free market because not everyone can participate or at least uh, participate to the fullest, at least at a default level. Um, but at least has some accountability, some marketplace. Um, and what we've seen is that um, I, over the last few weeks, it has sort of trended to 6%. Um, so we're seeing those kind of rates currently. Um, I always look at Lightning, the Lightning Pulse Twitter account every, every now and then to kind of see what it's at. And right now it's about 6%. And honestly, I have some orders and I'm like, I'm not, sorry, I'm not going down to 6%. And having to pay all these on-chain fees or whatever, so I have some really high fee and or some really high rate, and if someone's willing to pay for it, great. Otherwise, you know, the the shitty thing is my account with 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 Lightning Labs expires in in three weeks. So at, at the end of three weeks, I have to to do more on-chain transactions if I don't sell sell yeah. these sell these leases. Uh, it's just on-chain transaction after on-chain transaction. Um, it sucks. Uh, I, I do agree. I, Sea Lightning's um, implementation of doing dual funding will be great, um, and and hopefully alleviate some of that. Yeah, and and, and you were right. I was just checking on the Lightning Labs um, documentation, loop doc pool documentation that the basic the fees will range from five to twenty five basis points per user. So it's five hundred to two thousand five hundred per million, depending on the liquidity purchased. Hmm. I wonder if it's lower, if it is it higher, if it's the it's a low liquidity, or is it? 
Oh, yeah. It's a good question. And and is it higher if you go for a high rate yourself or yeah. Or is it lower <laughs> if you're if you're only selling for three percent? Does does do they still take the same basis yeah. points? That's and a good also question. from both it, it is from both sides, right? So also the seller and the uh, buyer pays as well. Oh wow, okay. Um well good for them. <laughs> Well, so I mean, yeah, it's, it's a good, it's a product. It yeah, definitely. I have a couple of things to add here. I mean, first of all, I mean, obviously, Lightning Pool is very new, so uh, we should cut them some credit, um, cut them some slack. Uh, it's, 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 I, it's an awesome service, you know. I, yes, I, I do I, really like it, but it's it's in an experimental phase. It feels. Um, first it's good off, that it's around definitely, which is awful. So, first off, I just became aware that. Um, to us, when we see the overlay chat is working as designed, um, but going out to the different streaming services, if you were watching this live, uh, for whatever reason, Restream is fucking it up. So uh, you guys don't see the chat from the other um, streaming services on your screen. Um, I'm going to leave it as it is because I'm pretty sure once I download this video after the fact, it will still keep the overlay chat. Um so that's why it looks like on the on the right side of your screen, just like empty. It's really filled with chat for us, and uh, it's just you know we're 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 beholden to this centralized service that provides um, this streaming capability to us. So that's why it is empty on your screen. Um, as far as as far as Lightning Pool goes, I mean, I think it goes further than that. I think it's really hard for a lightning node operator to um, comprehend what their future on-chain fee burden is. It's like, it's a very difficult thing to um, calculate or, or even just account for in your head. Like you don't have to calculate it perfectly, but just this idea that like, I'm supposed to account in my head what my future on-chain fee burden is gonna be or what my on-chain fee burden is in general. Um, when I don't know what the fees are going to be in the future. And it's, it's something that I think we're just going to constantly be up against. It's, it's just, there's, uh, there's no real easy way to um, conceptualize that. Would you guys agree? Yeah. It could be almost like a prediction market as well. Yeah. I, I kind of got burned. Um, the last difficulty adjustment, I had a, a forced closer just due to an unresolved HCLC um and boom like you know fifteen dollars i forgot what the stats were at the time i just remember thinking fuck that's fifteen dollars or so um that uh that i paid because essentially a bug right um some miscommunication between my node and the other node and um ended up losing losing fifteen dollars from that when i remember opening that channel when it was a low fee environment um so it kind of Kind of, kind of sucks. You know, it almost made me think, damn, if fees are really high, I almost kind of want to, you know, not route <laughs> um, just on the off chance that I have a forced closure that just, mm. you know, a wise man. I, I think anchor channels help fix this. Um, yes. Do you, do you guys know much about how that works? So, so, so there is this fee negotiation about the, the closure, but I mean, First of all, anchor commitments only work for the cooperative case. So it doesn't help the problem you just described. The force gotcha. close 
fear is basically you know that's when there is the con the um this is not the justice transaction that is much worse <laughs> but this is just an un uncooperative or unilateral close when basically the the peers cannot make the decision of chain so they need to go to the chain uh, or, or one side needs to go to the chain and uh, that is expensive because that is a, a race condition because if someone would have uh, like a, a transaction which could which could kind of which could be valid and would have a different state a different balance then you know there would be a possibility there to to um, steal funds um, so that's why it is always high significantly higher than the next block fee was when it was last agreed so it's kind of it's, it's tricky because it could have been agreed in a low fee environment and then the peer disappears goes offline and then you force close and it will be a, a low fee and it won't you know and it won't even go through <laughs> so it, yeah it, it is a problem i mean the only solution to this is basically getting rid of all this and going to the r2 protocol which will be made available by taproot and further uh, kind of you know improvements in the in, in in the lightning protocol or further changes and then anchor commitments so what, what happens there on the cooperative close you don't need to um, agree on a minor fee but it just closes with a default low fee like it just needs to be as high as to be guaranteed to get relate so uh or get into the mempool it's like 10 sets per byte is the default uh which can be modified um and then whoever initiates the close basically does a child's child pays for parent transaction uh on this anchor output which is different because it it goes into his wallet straight and um because of that it can be bumped with uh with another utxo in the wallet right so it is it is just uh, basically a, a, a child's pay for for parent uh for the closes it is similar to when you open a channel and you have a change output which i actually wanted to to mentioned in the beginning that uh, that is a trade-off in terms of security or kind of you know being stuck in the mempool uh, when you are opening a channel with one UTXO and not creating any change which is good for, good for privacy but bad for the case when you try to open a channel and try to snoop a, a low chain fee and then the mempool suddenly shoots up and stays like that for two weeks then you know your channel will be stuck and you will end up forced closing it because after two weeks the other peer forgets about it and it will never come online um so for that reason it's good to have like a change output for the opens and then you can do this fee bumping or you know more technically it's called a child space for parent transaction so the anchor commitment is the same thing for the closes and and the um Kind of game theory of the of the channel closing changes in a in a bit that um currently whoever opened the channel will pay the full cost of the closure as well let it be 
cooperative or uncooperative force clause. Uh, but in the case of anchor commitments, if you have an, uh, a compatible channel, whoever initiates the force uh, initiates the cooperative clause will do this child based or parent transaction on top. So he will bear the the most of the closure. See, I, I kind of like that aspect of it. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's a bit it, strange it, because it's, it's good to open them, obviously, because you haven't got the 100% chance of needing to pay the close fee. But then if you receive them, you actually, you know, you might need to be bare cost, which you otherwise wouldn't have. And also it has a bit of an added, added incentive to go on the uncooperative close route because always the opener would pay that still. So interesting yeah so in in the case of dual funded dual funded channels um currently who who pays who pays the closing fee oh that's a good question i uh, haven't looked into that uh, and you guys yet. are aware that like lnd will just like randomly close force close channels too as well right yeah that's the that's the bug bugs that there's I'm... been bugs yes Unless my like five or six channel partners who have come to me about it are lying on their side, but someone forced closed a bunch of channels. The thing is, it, it, it can be always an HTLC which didn't resolve off chain, so uh, timed out or 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 a peer or your peer got uh, went offline, uh, and if it's lower than the dust amount, then it won't show as a different output. So you can only tell it tell if it was an HTRC, if there is like a third output from the channel close uh, or third, fourth, fifth, you know, you can yeah, go into the attacks which do uh, flood your channel as well. But then um, um, if it's lower than the dust amount, let it be like one set by one Satoshi micropayment and it doesn't resolve, then it will still go to a force close, but it won't be shown. So you won't be able to tell what, what caused it. Yeah, so when 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 we have like insane fee environments like we do, um, one suggestion I would have would be to set your min HTLC to at least what the not the dust limit, what what's a reasonable fee yeah. that you would pay. That way, you're not even if it's above the dust limit, you don't want to close your channel just because you know what five thousand Sats were unresolved. Like that would suck if you were paying you know more than that or about that much just to close the channel just to recover five thousand Sats, which goes away with the fee anyways. Um, so like if you're the channel opener, like possibly you know decide to set them in HTLC to you know, whatever, whatever you feel comfortable paying a fee for to recover those, uh, pos those possible funds. Um, another aspect I wanted to bring up is, I'm, you know, I'm, I won't name names, but there's this one peer that does run an L and D node that I know of that is my best, best routing peer. Um, I get so much funds, um, sent from them to me, you know, vice versa from me to them. And, but here's the thing, they have a history of channel closing, just bugs happening because of so much volume going through their node. Um, so it's, it's a game of chance. I have to decide, okay, do I open a channel with them, try to collect as much fees as I can from this node and, and it eventually probably close because they always have forced closing issues. Um, or do I just say, you know, I'm not going to take that risk. So <laughs> of course, every now and then I take that risk and the channel will stay open for what, 
two or three days and then it'll force close and it'll be like fuck i didn't i didn't collect enough fees from them no. sometimes it'll be once it was a month and I, I collected so much fees from them um and it made it made it worth um opening a channel with them so it's like a game of chance almost i i 100 agree with you matt where you, you you don't really know what your fee burden is um so you're probably getting so much fees from them because they're closing on all their other routing partners <laughs> exactly they don't have very many channels and this is why um this is, so it's it's a game of chance that's why i try to set my min fee rate um to be a little bit higher with them just because i don't want just any little one sat fucking htlc to close the channel yeah, and also, also you can increase the base fee. So every payment is, you know, more paying more than one Satoshi. So uh, obviously then the micropayments won't be coming through unless that's the only way, only path. So um, open arms. Uh, the other day uh, on Dispatch, I guess it was maybe two weeks ago, maybe it was three weeks ago. Mm -hmm. um, we were talking about static channel backups and you said that the term oh. static channel backup is a bad term. Um, it's It should be called static channel disaster recovery. Um, <laughs> do, you want, do you want to um, give the some context is, to the freaks on this? Yeah, well, well the, proce the process is, is disaster recovery rather than, a rather than channel backup because uh, there are different things here. So you have uh, a couple of information about your routing node. First of all, the seed, which does encode the on-chain funds uh, in in like C Lightning is like can be bit thirty-nine compatible even, uh, but uh, LND has its own seed um, standard, which is called AEZ, and it cannot be restored in only wallets which support it. Like Blue Wallet does support it, so it's great uh, that you can use other other wallets, not just a, a kind of command line NND node or like uh, some node which has been made ready to do that. Um, and then you have the channel states which are encoding your uh, tab with your peers of funds in the two of two multisig. Um, so that's a bit more complicated and you don't have all don't have everything to to control that uh, those funds just by yourself uh, if we are you know like simplifying things um, and that is stored in a file called channel DB at least with LND um, and th that is a file which is also growing and is also being written very often if, if the node is busy and it can be corrupted for this reason um, and if it's being lost, then you are losing your your side of the channel states, and basically the channels will, will be offline, and you won't, you won't be able to to recover them, as the protocol is at the moment. I mean, there are developments doing being made here as well. You would need to have all those channels forced closed. And that's when this static channel backup file comes in, which is a static file only changes when you are opening or closing a channel. It just encodes the necessary uh, points, the, the keys basically to um, ping your peers to make them start the force closing. So it's not you who are doing the force close, but your peer. So as a consequence, if your peers are offline, then the funds are stuck. The good thing is 
if they come online in the future, you can do this recovery procedure again and again, anytime you like, uh, until you have all the funds back after the force close back into the um, back into your on-chain wallet. So but it, it can incur a, a huge cost. If, for example, thinking of think of like a, you know three hundred dollars Raspberry Pi setup, and you have like a, you know thirty channels in there, in a busier time in the mempool, it can be easily you know the multiplies of the three hundred dollars what it costs to close like you know 30 40 100 channels um, but it, it, it's even worse than that i mean you made a good point that i never really thought about and uh, this is why dispatch i think is so important um is because no one really talks about this shit um is is when you do that scb when you do that static channel disaster recovery mode um your channel partners can, if they're running a custom client, they can notice you're doing that and they can just use, take advantage of that situation to um, broadcast an old state and take your money, right? Well, I mean, that, that is stopped by it, the existence of uh, watchtowers. Right, because everyone's using watchtowers. I mean, I do use watchtowers, multiples, multiple yeah, watchtowers. But of course. Obviously, it's, yeah, it cannot be said everyone is, but you are risking, right? So if you are... Uh, uh, trying to cheat, then you are risking the whole content of the channel, not only your side, not only the you know other peers' side of the funds. So it's yeah, it's it's, it's a gamble, and you would need to be having like a modified client to look for look for these things because there is there is a protocol which does uh, say that uh, which does work in C lighting as well. Whoever although they don't have this kind of uh, static channel backup setup so they don't even have this file but they only trust the, i mean not so, so they are their setup is that if you have an old copy of your channel database then you can in this disaster situation still attempt recovering but then you need to trust that um, your peers are um, supporting this kind of protocol where they won't uh, just penalize you for publishing an old state, but they would initiate a force close instead. And that is true for most of the peers or most of the channels which have been opened like after uh, last November. So yeah, um, the, the automatic, the, the way it is built in, it, you know, the cheating is not uh, like facilitated at least. One of the one of the things I wanted to highlight, um, I believe we sent uh, that link out to you guys, node-recovery.com. Yeah, that's fantastic. Um, uh, one of the things that came out recently from Oliver um, from Lightning Labs, he actually came up with this process of so what what OpenOps described of like, okay, you have a long lost peer, they went offline, um, you can't recover your funds with your static channel backup because there's no one to initiate that forced closure. Um, one of the things Oliver came up with is a process to essentially kind of match um, long lost peers together. Um, so, you know, if I went offline for a long time and I only had my seed left and open noms went offline for a long time and he only has this seed left and there's no one to use the static channel backup to, to initiate that process, we can go through this node recovery process, um, submit our information um, 
to uh, Oliver. So it's it's not it's not a you know we're we're trusting him with privacy, but we ha- we lost our funds, right? We're trying to recover them back. So we um, he'll eventually match up the two peers together if they both submit their you know their node ID, and he can initiate a process to be able to recover the funds offline with those two. Um, with each peer having their own, bringing their seat to the table and trying to recover, recover the funds. So, um, I think that came out just this month, and it's a it's a cool little process. To, and so far, um, he recently he said he recently helped someone recover thirty one lightning channels um, through this way, which is amazing. Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's really nice. It's basically it's, it's your lost chance to to find a peer when the peer doesn't have this contact point, and and I mean, Keysend doesn't help this. If the peer is on offline, obviously you, you won't be able to contact, and they didn't leave any kind of uh, Telegram or email or whatever. Uh, but you can still hope that they would pick up on this message, or, or I mean, no, they would come here and advertise that they have a problem, and then you would come as well and. Oliver matches. It's really nice of him, <laughs> but it's indeed uh, saving a lot of locked funds from from these two of two boot right? Yeah, exactly. One of one of the things we we touched on L two recently. Um, it's it's a, an alternative to this LN penalty um, mechanism that we described, where we 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 can publish an outdated state and and we have this process, whether it's a watchtower or myself we can punish the other peer um doing uploading or uh, publishing an outdated state um with l2 it's interesting that that kind of goes away um if if someone were to publish an outdated state um the l2 protocol has this um and, and i'm saying l2 as e-l-t-o-o so it's not l2 like the letter l it's kind of confusing um but this protocol states that you can Instead of having this forced closure uh, scenario where um, you know someone loses all of their funds, which I think historically, if, if we're being honest, I don't think a lot of the the forced closures publishing an outdated state. I I don't think a lot of them are malicious. I think it's just accidental, or you know something screwed up. I, I don't know. Even if you were if your disk went out of sync and you accidentally published a, a bad state, you know you, you essentially lose all your funds in that channel. Um, because the other peer will see that and say, oh, no, hell no, and they'll, they'll punish you for it. With L2, that kind of goes away. If someone were to publish an outdated state, it, per the protocol, it has this mechanism where you can basically attach the rest of the state to as, as the output, uh, sorry, spending the output of the closing transaction, you can basically recover to the correct state um, from there. Uh, so it... it, it I'm not going to say it incentivizes people to publish outdated states if if their peer went offline, but it kind of incentivizes people to publish outdated states if their peers go offline um, because there's no penalty to them. Uh, the worst case scenario, the peer comes back online or a watchtower comes into place and and puts you know makes a uh, on-chain transaction making the outputs what they should be. Mm. And and yeah and th- yeah that's uh, that will be great, but. Uh, just another comment on this uh, and the lack of watchtowers for example let's say that you know you have done that uh, you know great node we have suggested to put like uh, half a bitcoin into one big channel and then you know just use it to pay uh, very privately uh, it, it, it's very nice thing that your node crashes and you f- need to use the static channel backup for a force close there is no previous if you only paid from 
death node and there has been only one channel depth so there was no routing and um, uh, balances shifting around if you only paid out from the channel there is no previous state where you had less money so basically the even if the peer would attempt to uh, put a pre previous state it couldn't cheat you out of money so in that case watchtowers don't uh, are not necessary yeah that's true yeah no i always tell people that i, I i'm not running a watchtower so go ahead <laughs> and try to um try to punish me if i go offline just 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 go ahead just likewise <laughs> <laughs> it, it will be you know, I'll, I'll just it will be in my favor if you were trying to publish an outdated state. Um, and I actually am running a watchtower, so I just wanted to make that clear. So there's kind of like you know, not saying don't tell people you're running running a watchtower or not, but if you are running a watchtower and you want to act like you're not, um, you know, it'd be in your interest to to have the other peer try to um, force close. Not that that's the, you know, not saying to do that. <laughs> Don't try to steal funds from people. <laughs> but um, it kind of punishes bad actors. Um, and, and I do I'm all, feel like all for that. I feel like uh, we're still in the honeymoon period where like lightning's not really, I, we're not, we're not existing in an adversarial environment yet. Would you agree? Well, from the channel, well, from the chain fees point of view, we had a quite adversive period and tour attacks and things. But yes, the the uh, network is nowhere as like we could be getting attacked be. way more. Yeah, yeah, could be. I I, I agree, and I think um, there's there's two main ones. I don't I don't think we touched on them yet, but there's two ways that would really suck for to to be attacked with, and that's that's balance probing. Um, and um, uh, sorry, uh, griefing attacks where where you lock up yeah. you lock up a channel. Um, those really suck. And luckily, I don't think people bounce probe. Um, I know that's the boss, Alex Bosworth, and his boss score. Like that's one of the things that they do. They bounce probe, um, and and it, it they don't do it in a malicious way to try to snoop out individual payments. Um, but that is a, theoretically a way you can try to you know. Um, snoop out individual payments or at least a, 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 a gauge economic activity of certain channels by constantly balance probing um i i, I don't think we we're in an environment where that's uh, a huge burden um but you know it, it, it kind of sucks that that bad data on the lightning network is free um you could route all the fake payments you want and it's not going to cost you a thing in routing fees. Um, by the time it reaches the destination, they've crafted the payment in a way with a fake payment hash where it just won't be fulfillable once once it hits that destination, if it does hit that destination. So the fact that the fact that bad data is free in the Lightning Network, I, I think it's inevitable that we'll, we'll, it could get us in a tricky situation later on or it gets us in a situation where we try to... Um, build protocols around it or or have this th there's been proposals like reputational based routing where to even route a payment or attempt to route a payment um you you pay for that or you have your reputation attached to that there's different different proposals for it um so, so like i would agree that we haven't gotten to the point where we've had to go to any extremes where like everyone's channels are being locked up because of because of the griefing attacks and and i don't think um 
I want to run a test on my node to, to keep track of what could potentially be a bunch of fake payments going through my node right now. Right now, I don't think anyone really sees it. I, like There could be thousands of fake payments going through your node right now, and you don't know it because you're not collecting any routing fees off of it, so you don't see it visually that, that there's mm-hmm. a bunch of payments going through your node that 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 aren't being fulfilled that maybe maybe it's just a peer that you know couldn't get liquidity to their destination and and, you know it's an honest peer but it could be you know hundreds thousands maybe you know no one knows how many fake payments are going through their node at any given time it's Um, it's really nice to run uh, the circuit breaker you know by uh yost jager um because it does log you this this kind of thing, how many pending HTLCs are, are so basically payments in flight are on your channels and also that how long they are kind of pending there because I mean, that's what it is uh, set up against uh, this griefing attack. Um, but um, it showed me that, um, so by default, you, you can have like on LND at least 483 payments pending at a time per channel. So that is huge. Uh, And like imagine getting into force close where you have like, uh, you know, 500 outputs or like, you know, 400 outputs. Um, But um, with circuit breaker, it's by default does limit it to five, which is, I mean, in most cases, I I didn't, I mean, I'm still running it and continuously running it. I don't think I've missed out on any routing fees because of that obviously that would be it would be rather micro payments if, if anything coming through in that rate um, and um, that showed me a lot of probes as well because there have been like so many HDSs coming in and and just uh, noted but no routing fees so obviously they were not payments which have been successful so it shows you it shows you potential probes well i mean you can just tell because there are hdlc's and there is no success mm-hmm. so it is most likely a probe i, I so yeah. y- you can only know if it didn't so probe either goes into a channel failure or like a, a, a payment failure or it comes out as a as a wrong cash right um, yeah. so that these are on the only two outcomes and if you are not the receiver or the sender you won't be able to tell about the wrong cache either you will be only able to tell that data went through you but it wasn't paying yeah the the error reasons that that co- that go back to the sender are are onion encrypted as well so the routers don't see the reason for the yeah. failure which is a good thing but it also means that you don't know if it's a probe and, and I, w- I want to bring up Mac- Max Kaiser um, asked like, why are they not collecting round fees? And, and um, the reason is only successful payments um, right. you'll, you'll collect routing fees from if, if the payment didn't succeed, if it didn't reach the destination, even if it went through five, six hops, those five, six hops won't, won't get anything unless the destination gets anything. So there's been proposals like being able to pay each hop before you send a transaction <laughs> And route a transaction and then you route the transaction through them but then there's the question of how do you even pay the six top if you have to then <laughs> i don't know it doesn't it doesn't make sense uh there's been proposals like that there's been proposals where you have yeah, some sort of reputation fees yeah yeah you pay for holdo fees so that will help the griefing attack um where, where you, you know um 
where just a bunch of in-flight HGLCs are held for a long time, um, which I think it's reasonable. I, I haven't looked too closely at the protocols. I'm not sure if they're uh, taken seriously or not yet, just because I don't think we really had probing is definitely an issue. I know, know a lot of people probe, <laughs> um, but I don't think it's malicious yet. And, but I don't, I don't know. Um, we haven't really seen as much, if any channel jamming attacks um, happen yet. I know, I know um, it's only a matter of time until it happens and um, circuit breaker does its best. It at least in my, and from my understanding of it, you know, it has that five HTLC limit where, you know, it'll stop routing payments down the channel after it hits five or something. Um, so it at least allows you as the node operator to continue using that channel. So it's not locked up as far as you're concerned, but I think it, it will stop um, payments being routed through you through that channel. Um, if, if I understand that correctly. Yes, it will appear as as being offline, basically. Hmm, gotcha. So yeah, I, I back to Matt's point. I I don't think we've gotten to the point where we are um, operating an adversarial network. Um, I think for the most part, people are being honest, even in even when there's been like the occasional forced closures from an outdated state. I don't really think that's been malicious yet. Um, I think it's accidental. Yeah. Um, and I'm grateful that we're not in an adversarial environment yet. Um, and I, I would just, I would just add on there that uh, you guys make good points. Um, but in terms of routing fees, like I, I don't think there's really much money to be made um, unless your name is Alex Bosworth um, until we have like really high on-chain fees. And, and we kind of saw that two weeks ago um, when the hash was rug pulled from us um, and fees went up. Uh, all of a sudden, like the the amount of routing my node was doing went through the roof because who the fuck wanted to to touch the fucking chain? No one wanted to touch the chain. Um, so that that's when it really starts to pay dividends. But until then, as far as I'm concerned, um, this mythical idea of running a routing node and making like a significant profit off of it is. Uh, is is just that it's 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 mostly a myth. Like you you need you you ba we basically need on chain fees to go up for the routing nodes to start making money. But as far as I'm concerned, uh, fees will go up, uh, even though everyone is grandstanding on Bitcoin Twitter right now and tagging me. Um, I would remind you that the mempool has not cleared yet, so um, don't jinx yourselves. Yeah, the difficulty adjustment is before the weekend, right? So it won't <laughs> either. <laughs> At least, if I would bet, I don't. I won't bet, but uh, I bet, you're still I bet better. It. You're still better off with two sats per byte. Um, <laughs> yes, I had a couple of those done. We'll die on this hill. Uh, Katana already died on his hill, even though he's <laughs> grandstanding on me now. I literally, the freaks think I don't notice. Are you kidding me? I get tagged like twenty-five times as soon as fees drop. I wake up in the morning, I get like D I have Catan in my fucking key base messages letting me know. Like everyone lets me know. <laughs> so don't worry, freaks. I'm well aware that fees dropped. I'm happy for all you guys. I'm happy for myself. Get your UTXOs in order. Um I don't think it'll last that long. Um before we wrap up here, um, we had a fantastic conversation with Adam back and Wiz last week on Liquid. Um, Agreed. I know you guys are both lightning maximalists. 
do you have any opinion on liquid? Have you used liquid at all? Is liquid a shit coin? Should freaks care? I can I can start that one. Um, you know I'm I'm uh, I'm you know a lightning maximalist basically, but I'm I guess I'm opening up to liquid a little bit. I'm I'm a little liquid curious. Um, I, I like the aspect of <laughs> I like the aspect of the possibility of of lightning on liquid. Um, uh, you know if it's lightning, I love it, right? So lightning on liquid <laughs> seems pretty cool. Um, I I have some ideas about how to do like a liquid bridge where you are sorry, liquid, the Bitcoin lightning bridge where you can have liquid lightning and you can still interact and pay and receive, um, through, uh, with, with Bitcoin nodes, um, on the liquid, sorry, well, Bitcoin lightning nodes on, on the lightning side, you can still interact with them by having a sort of bridge. So I, I'd like, I like tech. I like really cool tech and I, I like that aspects of it. But I was, you know, I was thinking, I think yesterday even where, you know, it's interesting. Lightning is, um, you can almost consider like lightning permission to come in to the network um, as in like you have to open up a channel with a node and they have to accept it. Some, some lightning nodes don't accept it, right? Like they require a minimal amount or maybe they just don't accept channels themselves. But like sort of permission to come in is sort of, permission to transact in a way because you know there there are lightning nodes that route payments and they can deny payments if they wanted to um so it's almost permission to transact but it's non-permission to leave at any point in time you can close your channel and go back on chain while like liquid is kind of the opposite in in those three regards like it's non-permission to come in you can peg in easily um from my understanding i haven't used liquid yet um, and it's non-permission to trans transact inside of it. You can send all the payments you want to any nodes, and, and um, I believe they should get mined um, by the uh, by the um, custodians, basically. Federation. But it's federation. It's sorry. Um, but it's it's permission <laughs> to leave. You 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 do need whether if it's a swap out, um, whether if it's a tonic atomic swap or peg out or whatever it is, it is permission to leave. So I like I I just floated that concept in my head where it's sort of like lightning permission to come in permission to transact non-permission to leave while while liquid is sort of the opposite of that um hmm. well wondering if you guys have a, your own opinions to that specific comment myself i this is the first time i've said it so i don't know if it's completely <laughs> accurate no it's a very, very yeah uh, it's a very interesting point and and very true also uh, i'm I haven't used well. I do liquid. I do use liquid sometimes to kind of move off ex an exchange which is supporting it temporarily before I gather enough to kind of go back to Bitcoin because that incurs you know a one-time uh, significant fee, and in the meantime I park in rather parking in the exchange or parking liquid which is much better for that. And then because of this, I did you know tried out a couple of things and and quite quite excited about the privacy aspect of it um and the fact that you don't even need to do coin joins you just you can do like just self-shuffle self-shuffle batch transactions with even any kind of other asset is is huge and in the meantime what is the most important you are not exposed to the price of another asset because that's the bigger, big, biggest problem of of going f for for 
uh, a privacy use case to go into another chain is just uh, it's, it's not an acceptable thing for me. Whereas I'm okay with you know parking some funds in uh, liquid for a while, so you know they might as well be more private. And then I mean obviously they would need to come out in like steps, and that would need on-chain transactions, and you know be, um, but it's not an issue really. Uh, <clears throat> so right. uh, I think that's that's the that's the best and biggest use case for it, and uh, and I see that there is like the side swap application is is pretty smooth. Now you can peg out on it as well, uh, and then I have no reason why we wouldn't see any kind of either either um, uh, swaps out from liquid so on chain um, swaps or. Uh, going into lightning which is which uh, i mean that would be awesome for the same reason you know that uh, uh Anthony is excited about it that uh, we could route between the two networks i mean that would be great <laughs> um but yeah i mean yeah, i think swap, away, I guess. swap solve a lot of the concerns over uh, like a highly competitive swaps market kind of solves the concerns over peg out i i have a, a provocative statement that i've said in the past that's a little bit unfair, but I, I still enjoy it, which is that Liquid is Ripple without the shitcoin. Um, it is significantly better than Ripple, <laughs> regardless <laughs> of the fact that it doesn't have the shitcoin because you have confidential transactions because it's you know a sound protocol uh, made by people who like know what the fuck they're doing. Um, but uh, to me, you know, Liquid is, and I mean, there's three hours of of, of me talking about this last week, but. To me, I mean, my main focus has been, you know, stay humble, stack sats. And my main focus is freaks who are practicing that, which is what I'm practicing, which is what a lot of people are practicing. Um, and I, I think with Liquid, this idea that you don't need inbound liquidity, that you get some relative privacy uh, over on-chain, and that... Um, that on-chain fee burden that we were talking about is way easier to calculate on Liquid than it is on Lightning. Uh, you don't have to, you just know, like when I swap to chain, that's when I pay my on-chain fee burden. Like it could be a single time. You know, if you consolidate on Liquid and you pay a single time, I'm going to pay that fee at that point and I'm going to do it when I want. I'm not going to be forced closed. Um, that mixed in with the fact that it's super easy for wallets to implement in comparison to non-custodial Lightning. Um, because it uses basically all the same Bitcoin API calls. It's like if you're just integrating Bitcoin testnet or something. Um, makes it so it could be a very, like they have the whole trader argument and it's whatever, like I'm cool with that. I still think that traders could use private lightning channels between like huge, hum humongous lightning private channels between exchanges. Um but to me, it's the stackers. It's it's the stackers that I care about. And I, I see a use case for stackers. You just keep stacking into a liquid wallet, then you hit a certain threshold and you go to your on-chain savings. It kind of makes sense to me. It's like custodial lightning wallets, like how we were talking about that previously. Yeah. For better I, I, to a degree. I, th I think my main concern, and, and it's more of a concern for them than I guess anyone, but I, I, I just don't see why they're not more strictly uh regulated like on on the peg outs and stuff i mean they're essentially right when when they peg out they're essentially a custodian for for a, a point in time 
until they actually withdraw to sorry they withdraw you know they peg out the to the custodian <laughs> so to federation's bitcoin address <laughs> right and, and for a given moment of the time they own that bitcoin and that bitcoin address um and then they will actually send it to the correct location right so at a point in time they are essentially a custodian of bitcoin not so when they're in their federation of liquid you know that's i don't consider that custodian they're they're federated but for that peg out point in time like i i just don't see how they're not regulators aren't going to crack down and i'm not instead of i'm not saying regulators should because regulators should just fuck off but it, I, I just don't see how it's going to continue existing the way this, just like right. we talked I've about, said that lightning, about shit lightning custodians. Right. But I've said that about shit coins, right. And that hasn't happened. And at least you have, um, at least it's only the people who opt into that system. And then once again, I, I would say that I think swaps, like if we had a competitive swaps market, it doesn't even have to be atomic swaps. I mean, obviously atomic swaps are preferable because you don't have that custodial risk. Even if, even if it's a single, uh, centralized atomic swap partner, you don't have that custodial risk because it doesn't, the transfer doesn't happen unless they provide the other piece. Um, but if we just had a competitive swaps market, uh, you know, like right now, like you have like side shift or whatever, you know, like a shape shift clone that without KYC, if we had more of those, uh, it kind of alleviates a bit of that concern. I, I know it's not perfect, but it, it alleviates it more than, I feel like the peg out's a little bit of a, you know, it's like shit coins don't have the peg in feature. This has the peg in feature. Shit coins also don't have a peg out user defined peg out, you know? And then they also have shit coin price risk. So it's like, you got to balance it all with like the relative trade-offs of, of what it's competing against. Yeah. I, I just wish that it was just, atomic swap out only and we didn't yeah. have to worry about this they didn't i, I, I like i'm also concerned for them like i'm like i don't want you guys to have to get in a situation the federation members where regulars are cracking down so i i wish that i almost wish there wasn't this peg out feature that they had and we just lived with atomic swaps as as the option or people that do want to take the risk and have this custodian uh swap like like you described um non-atomic well because we have this you know swap market um so i agree I, it's not like a major concern for me because i do know like probably atomic swap no matter no matter what with it with someone um it's just kind of more of a a concern for federation it's almost, members and it's almost the same concern as lightning it's it's almost like it feels like there's not they're not operating the adversarial environment that they should be operating in they're not yeah. assuming like the whole point of bitcoin the whole reason the whole reason I'm so critical on shit coins is because they don't operate in an adversarial environment. And then I just feel like our two main layer twos, like developers aren't operating in that same environment either. <sighs> yeah. There's definitely been, I think, yeah, a lot of theories on whether a lightning node is like technically considered an MSB. And while I think that's fine, um, you know, you, you have to consider that that's a possibility that, that regulators try to attack. Um, I mean, I don't so think I, that's fun. Like they can literally just make it illegal. It doesn't mean they can enforce <laughs> it, but like they can just pass true. a law that says any, like it was illegal to go to a restaurant in a lot of States uh, this year. So like this idea that like, government is just going to be practical and logical and, and and not tread on our rights is a very interesting concept. Yeah, that's true. 
Um, open arms. When Raspi Blitz gonna add liquid? Um, <laughs> when you know, when people open an issue and make a PR. <laughs> <laughs> You're the freaks. I mean, make it happen. I mean, I've I've nothing. You know, I, I'm actually did. Um, so yeah, just one thing I was thinking about. So there is we mainly spoke about liquid BTC, right? LBTC, but there is actually, you know, the main use case is like using it for Tether and stuff like that, which is, is much better to, I mean, you know, I would be much happier to have like, if I would happen to have, you know, Tether to have it on liquid rather than like in Ethereum or EOS or something, you know, and, uh, that, and that use case has, far more regulatory concerns than actually like swapping out of like liquid Bitcoin, uh, I think, S because it has obviously the fiat deposits and, you know, those kind of things which we have seen playing out so far as well. So um, I think the liquid BTC problem would be the last which would hit the liquid federation, I, I, I would think. Uh, or is it... I mean, I'm not even sure that, for example, the tether, the liquid tether, that has nothing to do with the liquid federation. Yeah, it doesn't right? even fucking matter because they're holding the fucking USD, so they can move to whatever chain they want to move to. They don't have to deal with any kind of liquid could get completely yeah. shut down, and they'll just take your balances and move it over to Tron if they want. Oh yeah, exactly. So okay, okay. So there's it's it's not it's it's and this shouldn't be even connected to the federation because I can just download these elements uh, node and can issue sets, you know, at right. will. So if I call it Tether, then uh, it will be that. Right, you can issue open arms token or whatever, and the Federation could go down and you can just move it over to Tron if you wanted to. Yeah, like like our friend Kendall, you know, was handing out uh, um, actual candles for in return to his tokens, he was airdropping to us uh, in a, like, what was it, like a Munich hack day or something, you know? <laughs> and there was only 10. Or so i have plenty of actually i have a green wallet there is like a couple of shit coins like this who people just uh, issued it for fun and you know sent it to me and now they're there obviously no value at all uh, yeah sorry you I'm had not, a question not... before go on yeah go on oh. Oh, i was gonna say um i'm not i'm not so interested in the the token side of liquid stuff, but at least from, I, I think having at least an ass, uh, access to a stable coin um, does make, uh, does make it a lot of interesting. And then, you know, de definitely opens up the use cases for people that, that do want to hold USD um, to the shit coiners that do <laughs> basically USD is just a shit coin. Right. Um, but I, I do think having that access does bring a lot of pluses to it. I'm not so interested in the rest of the token possibilities, though. Yeah, no, I completely understand the concept of a black market U.S. dollar. Um, I would never trust it. You know, Bitcoin's my stable coin. That's the whole point. But uh, I, I get it. I definitely do get it. Um, yeah. So, I mean, this has been great. Uh, hopefully, they didn't completely censor our live chat. And when we pull this off after the fact, I will still have the live chat um in my archives i will post the full video over to telegram keybase bitcointv.com um i'll probably leave up the broken one on youtube just because the algorithm helps me in terms of 
having views already, but I'm going to play that one by ear. Uh, but just know that this is a uh, restream bug is the reason that the chat isn't showing on the right. If you're watching this live um, restream, I have did pay you like 2 million sats for this year of service. So um, I hope they treat me right. I've, I'm literally using every feature that they have. Uh, I'm like, I'm a, I'm very much a power user here. I'm showcasing your product. So, um, I, I hope they get their shit together. Um, so before we wrap up, uh, I guess neither of you are going to join me in Miami, correct? I'm not sure yet. (laughs) If I, if I do, it's, it's because I've caved into FOMO. (laughs) Cave into the FOMO, bro. Cave into the FOMO. Drive I, I am excited. I am excited about the possible, like of what you guys are throwing for, like the open source uh, workshop and everything. Like that seems pretty dope. Well, thanks yeah. for pivoting for me. Um, the reason I bring it up is because I am running the free open source dome, this open source centric area, um, and uh, I, I need to set up my agenda over there. So if you are going to be in Miami for Bitcoin twenty twenty one and you're an open source contributor. Please reach out to me, ideally through Telegram or Keybase, but you can also DM me through Twitter, um, and I'll get you sorted. I, I have some slots open over at the open source. Like it's like we have all the node packages are all giving demos. Like it's going to be fucking awesome. We have Jamal James from Polar is going to be giving a demo. We have Sherdbits giving a demo. Um, it's just going to be a fun time. We're right next to the the huge ass bar outside, uh, so I have a feeling it's just going to be like. With like the nerds drink together, so I'm like I'm pretty excited for that. Um, I, yeah, if I would be there, I'd definitely hang out there. Always, these are the best places to be. Anthony, I do have I I do have a quite nice Airbnb. So like, if you need like a couch to crash on, like I think we can we can work that out. I oh, appreciate um, that, bro. Yeah, no, for real. Uh, I'll definitely still consider it for sure. I, I still have my ticket. So <laughs> if if you, I you do, already have the ticket. Yeah, well, I had it from 2019. Um, okay, so that's the most expensive part. So, you know, you've yeah. already, you can just drive in, just drive in. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. No, but if I if I do decide not to go, I, I will um, donate it, um, you know, in, in some ways, whether for you guys to donate or, or whatever. But um, I do appreciate the offer. No, I'm definitely still going to consider it. Well, what you should do is if you decide not to come, you should donate to OpenSats, um, the new initiative uh, that I launched alongside uh, eight very dedicated Bitcoiners. Um, and then we could auction that off and, and use it to fund open source dev. That'd be pretty cool. But I I'd prefer if you Dope. came to be quite honest. Um, for sure. Yeah. So that's opensats.org. Um, go check it out. If you're an open source contributor and you're not going to be at Miami, even if you're going to be at Miami, either way, go there. If you submit your project, you submit yourself. Um, we are going through them. Uh, we are vetting them, and they're going to be displayed on the website. Um, it's basically a culmination of eight months after BitcoinDevList.com, where you can donate directly to devs um, through their BTC pay servers, where there's no custody involved. Um, in this case, uh, we are acting as a middleman, but we're a 501c3 middleman, so you get a tax deduction. Um, we're also giving you the option to auto stack directly into us. So you can uh, do a like a monthly subscription where it comes out of your debit card or your credit card and we will buy sats with it. We'll put it in our endowment and then we'll provide our grants out in sats. 
Um, so, so you're helping number go up as you help open source development. Um, and there'll be a general fund. So, um, we have, we have a nine person board. Like this board is fucking loaded. It's fucking ridiculous. Like, uh, let me, let me list it out. We have Janine, uh, that one privacy girl that does the, the privacy in the month guide. And she's also the long-term co-host of Bitcoin digest block digest. Um, we have crypto dread from Jamaica. We have Elaine. Ooh, we have James O'Byrne. We have Katan who died on this hill waiting for one sat per bite and now is flexing on me. Um, we have Lisa Nugut from Blockstream, who's been working on Sea Lightning. We have Udi, um, who's been a little shit coiny lately, but he's keeping us honest and we'll keep him honest. And then we have Ben Price, uh, who's former Visa crypto. And now he's sick of, of, of the word crypto and is, is coming into Bitcoin hardcore. So um, it's a really cool initiative. And I want it to be very pleb focused. I, I like this idea of having um, a bunch of plebs, you know, contributing $25, $50 a month. Um, so we don't have to rely on, on these corporations, on these KYC exchanges to provide grants. And it won't just be Bitcoin. It'll be free open source software that's tangential to Bitcoin as well. But that doesn't mean shit coins. It won't be shit coins. It'll be like, if there's an alternative to Tor that comes out, or if there's like a secure messenger that's open source that comes out, like stuff like that, we will also be supporting because I think it's important for us to to take our sats uh, that are increasing in purchasing power and use them towards projects uh, that that further our goals, right? And 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 help make Bitcoiners more robust and more resilient uh, against our enemies. Uh, so I'm pretty excited about that, and I'm very excited about the Foss Dome. So if you are coming to Miami, once again, reminder, reach out to me. Let's get you in the Foss Dome. Let's make that shit happen. Um, I have to, like, make those decisions within, like, the next week or so. So if you're going to do that, like, let me know. Um, what else do I have? Um, I promised Keto, Keto Miner of Noddle. Uh, he was here two weeks ago. Uh, they're looking for a new support person. Um, this person will request, they, they need like an hour a day to answer support tickets. Um, and just like basically consolidate the FAQ and the documentation. It will be paid in sats. Um, it's a global position, remote position. Um, and you will receive a, a free not a one and not a cloud subscription so that you can get comfortable with the product. So if you're a Bitcoiner, that is looking to stack some more sats. You like what Keto's doing. You like what Nala's doing. Uh, consider reaching out to them. Um, and they will be posting more on their Twitter, but you guys got to hear about it first here. Um, with all that said, uh, grateful to both of you guys for joining us. I think this was a really great conversation, even with the restream glitches on the right. Um, I want to thank all the freaks, the ride or die freaks who are here with us live. Week in and week out, you've been you've been fucking amazing, guys. Um, Twenty one fucking weeks, every Bitcoin Tuesday. Fucking love to see it. Um, do you guys have any final comments before we wrap this up? Yes, you forgot to ask me if Bitcoin is designed to pump forever. <laughs> that's very that's very true. Is Bitcoin designed to pump forever, Anthony? Fuck yeah, it is. <laughs> that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> 
Wait one second. I got to put this on the on the screen. It's like uh, there we go. Okay, he already said fuck yes. Uh, Open arms already agreed that Bitcoin is designed to pump forever. Yeah. Um, where where can the freaks find you, Anthony? Do you want to uh, read read out your fucking horrible Twitter handle? <laughs> yeah, um, it is uh, Cycryptor, um C Y C R Y P T R. Sorry, I made it during the 2017 bull run. Um, yeah, that's where you can find me or the article that I recently wrote, abytesjourney.com um, slash lightning dash privacy. So you'll find me there. Um, Matt, thanks for thanks for having me on. It's It's been an honor. And uh, officially, Open Arms, thanks for helping with the article as well. You've been a lot of help. And people can subscribe to your blog, right? By mail. Yep. yep. Open Arms. Yeah, I- Yes, I, I just would like to yeah say thanks um, you know for providing a platform Matt you know it's been great and I really enjoyed having a discussion with you Anthony and you know thanks for writing this article and you know I, I, I I'm sure that uh, you know we'll follow and see more of your thoughts and uh, you know we'll continue to discuss this uh, thing called the Light Network. Um, so, thank you. All. Yes. Thank you guys and and just to be clear Anthony like I expect you to come on multiple times in the future. Um, this is this is just your first appearance of many. Um, Open Arms already knows he's on the hook. He's just going to have to ghost me. <laughs> he's not going to come on in the future. Um, awesome. Perfect. No, I'd love to. Awesome. I appreciate you all. And uh, yeah, just enjoy the rest of your Bitcoin Tuesday. I'll see you guys next week. Oh, see you guys. Bye-bye. Opportunity sees everything you ever wanted. One moment that you capture, just let it slip. Yo, his palms are sweaty, knees weak, arms are heavy. There's vomit on his sweater already. Mom's spaghetti, he's nervous, but on the surface, he looks calm and ready to drop bombs. But he keeps on forgetting what he wrote down. The whole crowd goes so loud, he opens his mouth, but the words won't come out. He's choking how? Everybody's choking now. The clock's run out. Time's up. Over. Plow. Snap back to reality. Oh, there goes gravity. Oh, there goes gravity. Choke. He's so mad, but he won't give up. Daddy's he know. He won't have it. He knows. His whole back to these ropes. It don't matter. He's dope. He knows that, but he's broke. He's so stagnant. He knows when he goes back to this mobile home. That's when it's back to the lab again, yo. This old rhapsody better go capture this moment and hope it don't.
Tortor, New World Order, a normal life is boring, but superstardom, close to postmortem, it only grows harder, homie grows hotter, he blows, it's all over, these hoes is all on him, coast to coast shows, he's known as the Love you freaks. Uh, not many of you lasted this long, so I'll, I'll just give you a giveaway. Uh, free dispatch hat if you say lose yourself in the Sphinx tribe. Citadel dispatch Sphinx tribe. Uh, stay humble, stack sats. I'll see you on Thursday for RHR, and I'll see you next Tuesday for the next dispatch. Come to Miami. Check out opensats.org. And uh, reach out if you want to be a part of the Fostome. Love you all. Peace.